What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 18 of the Potscast for our very special Nintendo Direct special. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by Mr. Stephen Radford. Thank God you're back, Pete. <laughs> Good to be back, my friends. And Pixelplier. Hey, guys. And rounding out our foursome today, we've got our very special guest for his first appearance on the show, Stealth. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us, man. That's my pleasure. Are you excited to get in here and talk about some Nintendo Direct news? I'm always excited to talk about Nintendo Directs. <laughs> you picked a good week to come on. We've been, like, having a segment essentially for, what, the last four months? When's the Direct going to come? When's the... Here it is. Now you don't have to listen to us talk about that anymore. <laughs> When's the next one coming? Oh, uh, well, okay. We'll talk about that next week, Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to kick things off the way we often do by talking about what we're playing this week. Stealth, since you're our guest and you've got the longest list of any of us, uh, <laughs> what, have, what, have, what have you been getting up to this week? Yeah, I've been uh, pretty busy with my gaming lately. I just finished up World of Final Fantasy Maxima, and now I'm trying to play Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition and Wargroove at the same time to um, oh my god, to, to varying results. It, it's been a little challenging. And then, like what seems like everybody else who owns a Switch and has the online service, I'm playing Tetris 99. The Battle Royale of the Year, as some are calling it. Some like me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to coin it now, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> so what are you thinking of Tales of Vesperia? I've heard it's very good. Um, I'm not too far into it. I mean, I, I played it originally on, on the Xbox, but okay. on the Xbox 360, but it's been a little while. Um, I'm only about four hours into the Switch version, and it's, and it's running really well. I, I'm actually hoping it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I've heard that it's a, a really, really solid port of that game, which was a, a pretty good one um, from what I've heard. So, uh, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Four hours in, though, that's like, you yeah, might I've as done... well play ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just started. <laughs> I'm I'm curious how you get on with Wargroove. Um, Wargroove is very, very, very challenging. Um, each chapter seems to take me about an hour to figure out. Um, you know, so I, I don't think I'm, I'm that good at the game, and I just read yesterday that, um, the developers are going to be implementing, you know, check, checkpoints, and they're going to be, they're going to be adjusting the campaign difficulty, so I'm wondering if I could stop before they <laughs> oh, do yeah. that. Yeah, I, I'm I, playing it, de um, it's definitely in its hardest form right now. I, I'm the same, I've been debating whether I'm going to tone down the difficulty, because I just find it too difficult. The one thing I'm really wishing was there is an undo button. I screwed up an hour's worth of work by doing a stupid move the other day, and, yeah. and I just wanted to smash my Switch. What um, Valkyria Chronicles and like Fire Emblem and all those do is you can save pretty much after every turn. Um, so you, know, you you never like get to the end, and then one thing screws you up, and then you have to redo the entire mission again. So yeah, this is definitely a, a more challenging old school strategy game for that. There's no take backs in war, you guys. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> yeah, it's just devastating when you lose one of your dogs there and they like run away. They just run away. That's they, how they yeah, they don't them. show any anim <laughs> They don't show any animation of the dogs. Maybe dying. they just don't like you, Steve. That's why they're running away. <laughs> <laughs> is that what your parents used to tell you too, Steve? Yeah, no, they went to go live on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you said uh, you finished up World of Final Fantasy as well. 
Yeah, I finished up World of Final Fantasy Maxima, um, did a bunch of the post-game stuff. Square Enix does, you know, you can criticize them a lot, but when they do enhanced ports, they really tend to add a lot of content over the original version. And, you know, I was really impressed with how much they added to, 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 to this version, and, you know, it ran really great on Switch, and yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's one of the best RPGs on the system. Awesome, glowing recommendation. Yep. Do you recommend this is a good starting point if, say, for example, someone had never played Final Fantasy? No. Um, well, no, while the gameplay is really easy to get into, the entire game is made up of Final Fantasy cameos from the different games. So if you haven't played them, you're just, it's, it's it won't be cool to you. You know, it's, it's cool to see, oh, here's Cloud, you know, here's Midgar. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's awesome to see, like, the different Final Fantasy games weave together. And if you haven't played them, you're, you're going to miss a lot of the game. Is this another game we're going to add to your list of I've never actually played it? Uh, see, I knew this was going to happen when I, <laughs> when I asked this question. No, I've never played Final Fantasy. And yes, I really want to start. I don't know where to jump on, though. I don't know if I should get this Final Fantasy IX port. port yeah, do nine. That we're, we're going to talk about that is the mobile port that some people say is terrible and I shouldn't go near. Oh, it yeah. is? Um, Why? Or, uh, With the good or if one. I should wait for Final Fantasy VII, which is coming out in March. What do you think, stuff? I mean, it's not a terrible version. It's not the best version, but, um, you know, it's certainly playable and you'll get the experience. And, you know, it's been number one on the eShop for like the last couple of days. So mm-hmm. clearly uh, it's not stopping a lot of people. Yeah, I might just buy the bullet and pick it up. So, uh, Pixel... Um, what, what have you been playing this week? Um, so I've been playing some Cube 2. We actually streamed it on Twitch. Uh, Steve was watching me, so he can pretend he played it too. It was really great. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, where mm. was that? Twitch.tv slash Lupots? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, I didn't hear you, Pete. What did you say? I'm sorry, that was Twitch.tv slash Lupots? Is that where you were streaming? Where you can catch us streaming every week now? Yeah, that's it. That's the place. Uh, yeah, so Cube 2. It's actually really good. It's better than I thought it would be. Um, if you, It's kind of like, it's a it's a Portal-esque type game, um, but the main premise is you can move blocks around. That's pretty much all you can really do, so far anyway. I've only played like two hours-ish of it, um, but they use the mechanics of the game really cleverly to kind of set up different types of puzzles you can complete based around quite, what's well, essentially quite a simple mechanic, and as you progress for further and further for it just gets more complex to the point where i was actually struggling within two hours i was getting to a point where i was struggling to work them out yeah i tuned into the stream that you guys did a little bit uh because i was at work and um i I was impressed in just like the 20 or so minutes that i was like kind of half paying attention to um how much variance there seemed to be in the puzzles based on like what is essentially a really like you said a very simple mechanic of just like changing the colors of the blocks and stuff to like activate different things within the puzzles right is that like yes a good summation of the powers yeah so there's um you have like magic gloves or something and um as far as i got there's three different color types of blocks you could convert a block into Mm -hmm. any color or make it like appear out of a little portal maybe (laughs) um but (laughs) a a legally distinct portal Um, so there's green, red, and blue, and they all do different things. And basically using those three blocks and essentially switches you can stand on. There's a hell of a lot you can actually do in the game to kind of challenge the player. Um, and I was at a point at one point where I had to get Steve and just go, you need to do it that way. Because there's like nine different combinations mm-hmm. of things you can do with three blocks. And sometimes you're just doing it in totally the wrong order. And you're like, why isn't it working? <laughs> why isn't it working? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that was really fun. It's the kind of game. The kind of game looking at is that I like um, playing with someone else because I do think having a second set of eyes helps out, um, especially when you got to the point where there were the moving panels, mm-hmm. and if you would move the panels, and then at a specific point you would have to like change a block to red so it would fire a cube 
over to the other side and if you didn't fire it at just the right moment or you got the wrong one at the wrong time it, you'd have to go like kind of restart the puzzle it was really cool what did you think of a story though because you mentioned that you've got some magic gloves i'm guessing you didn't get too invested in the story during the stream well we were talking over it yeah, we were, were yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think uh, essentially it's your some kind of science person who's woken up with amnesia and mm-hmm. you're wearing a magic suit and magic gloves, and you appear to be a lone survivor from some kind of mission that they don't disclose. I'm guessing that's what the end kind of reveal is. And then there's one other person who you can talk to on the radio who's kind of helping you out. I love that you described the character as some sort of science person. Her, her name's Amelia. <laughs> I know that, but they call her Millie. In the game. <laughs> oh my god. So you, so you guys enjoyed it? Yeah, it was really fun. To be honest, it's one that... If you watch a trailer, it looks quite good, but you're like, mm, probably won't pick it up. But then, if you actually get to play the game, you're like, oh, I'm re- I would have, I was provided a key for free for this, but I would have gone out and bought it if they'd released a demo. I'm not sure if they're going to do a demo, but if they do a demo, I think a lot of people will get into it more so than would originally, you know, buy the game. So release a demo, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so hard to like sell puzzle games. Like, from a trailer like that, you know? Because it really is, like, getting in there and tooling around with it and, like, getting that aha moment is, like, the game, you know? I think some of the really clever puzzles, you obviously can't put in the teaser trailer because to show show how well it works, you have to reveal how to solve it. It does remind me, though, of when when I got into The Witness, I only picked it up after I watched someone streaming it because I had no idea what the game was. The trailer kind of gives nothing away other than you're just walking around this island. And it wasn't until I saw kind of how clever some of the puzzles were with the shadows and having to get it over the top and how um, you had to manipulate the world in order to figure out the patterns that I went to go pick it up. And yeah, I knew some of the puzzles because I'd seen someone streaming it, but there's a lot more to the game than just like three or four puzzles. You also streamed the Moonlighter update, right? Well, you were there as well, so I was don't I? know you I don't remember me. this. Well, you know, it's a setup. <laughs> did, did you stream it? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, no, that was quite a surprise as well, having that update. That came out of nowhere, and it was free, so... I haven't got a chance to check it out yet. What's the deal with it? It's the Friends and Foes update. So the biggest thing they've added are new mini-bosses. So at the end of every single level on a Dungeon now, there's a new boss that you have to, com- to defeat until you Ooh. get down to the next level. So previously, there was three levels to each dungeon. You only got a boss right at the end. Now you get one on every single level. But the big thing they've added are companions. So when you kill a certain enemy ten times, it'll drop an egg. You can take that egg back to your shop, put it in the farm thing that's now attached to the side of your shop. After three days, it'll hatch. And then you can take that companion down into the dungeon with you. And it gives you kind of special abilities. So it'll either attack enemies or it might give you extra storage. Like a, basically a walking chest. Um, or it might, wow, it might awesome. automatically heal you. Uh, and then obviously as you get further into more dungeons, you'll find more and more different creatures that you can take back and grow into companions. The only annoying thing about the update is I never used to take potions into dungeons with me. I used to just go in, use what I find. Steve had a go at me for doing this as well. But now they've put mini bosses at each, the end of each level of the dungeon. <laughs> I, I was just getting absolutely destroyed because they also seem to have updated the fountains as well. So, you know, you used to be able to go back and heal yourself over and over and over again. Now it's got a certain amount of charge. So you can only go oh to Oh my it. God. And like, I discovered I went back to it twice <laughs> and then the second time it like healed half of me. I was like, oh no. And I don't take That's... potions with me. This is a nightmare. <laughs> you, know, you know, Pete, the, the lady that gives you potions also gives you like enchantments, right? Have you discovered that? Yeah. Pixel hadn't enchanted anything. Didn't even. He was like, "Oh, they've added enchantments to the game." I was like, "No, they've been in there since the beginning." <laughs> I was playing in so hard mode. So my man uses 
no potions, no enchantments. I just run and smash my head into the wall until I beat the boss. Yep, that's pretty much how I played it. <laughs> I'm really excited to check that out. Uh, Moonlighter has been like just such a fun time. I've just been distracted by a lot of other little games lately, but now that there's the update, I'm definitely itching to get back to it. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you've not played it before as well. Have you played it still? I haven't played it now. Oh, you have to play it, man. It's so good. Way more. Have you like heard anything about it? I haven't. There's way more games that I have played than I have, unfortunately. I just don't have the time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's it's the struggle of our age. Too many games, not enough time. <laughs> yeah, that's the eternal struggle. <laughs> it's funny because, like, honestly, it gets me very nostalgic for like my youth when there was big gaps in the year where games didn't come out and you could actually catch up on things. And now it's just like, oh, that great indie, that sounds awesome. I should definitely play that. Let me buy it and then never touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's literally still physical SNES games I bought in the 90s that I, I haven't played and that, that I need to play. Oh, I, that's wow. how far my backlog goes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> are they still sealed, or did you actually open They are them? sealed, yeah. Wow. Oh, no, oh my you God, can never awesome. touch those now. You can never I touch know, them. I know, that's a problem. You have to buy a second open <laughs> copy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then you guys also did some streaming of uh, the Yoshi demo that dropped this week. Yeah, that was a good or one as well. Week. Was it yeah, this week, last week, last week? It was in the same stream as the Moonlight one, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we, we played it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I found it way too easy to be enjoyable for me. Um, but I know that's pretty much what uh, a Yoshi game is. What did you think? It was incredibly easy, as most Yoshi games are. But what got me more yeah. was there was an even easier you had mode. The mellow to mode. Oh god. Oh my god. It, and it gave like gave like wings to Yoshi. I was like, how does Yoshi die anyway? There's no like what does he do? Like <laughs> run into a, a shy guy? Yeah, they're they're giving it that uh Kirby's epic yarn level of difficulty where it's like, yeah, the game's already naturally easy, but now you also just can't die. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked the, the the depth though, the fact that you could shoot in when you pick up eggs, uh, you could yeah. like shoot in both directions or all over the place, and like you would collect red coins or other coins, and then it makes you go back into the game later on in the flipped. Um, so you kind of see behind the scenes. It's all like made as if it's like a, a cr it's obviously a crafted world. But then when you go back and you find Poochie and all of that stuff, it's like the opposite way, and you can see like how they've constructed the sets. I thought that was but a really cool touch. This is the thing, right? They flip the stage around, so it's the opposite way. But you mm -hmm. still progress through the level left to right. How does that work? How did they do that? Because it's rotated the camera around. But then you'd be going for... Uh, no, because you'd be going for... It's like if you crossed the road and then look, you could still go the other way. <laughs> don't believe you. Yeah, I think Lies. the... Uh, I don't believe I think the difficulty of that game is going to be more in collecting everything than, you know, kind of twitchy, not getting killed by enemies and stuff. Yeah, they're definitely collectathons. Which for me, we discussed on the stream, has never been never been a genre. Yeah, I mean, and believe into. me, there are a lot harder platformers on Switch already. So this one is kind of more for the collecting um, yeah. aspect. And, and honestly, it kind of reminds me of um, it kind of reminds me of Tropical Freeze in that way. But the platforming was also super hard, so it's just more of the collecting. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like, I still want to play this just because I I definitely like like the Yoshi games. I find them to be very charming. But I'm afraid it's going to be similar to what happened to me with Kirby this year or last year. Last year. Yeah. Um, where I I got it and it was like, oh, this is it's pretty. It's cute. I like the music. It's it's like fun enough. And then I just kind of lose interest in it because it's not challenging me enough. 
So I don't know. I like I, I, I'm still on the fence if I'm going to pick this one up. I, I've already pre-ordered it, mainly because <clears throat> mainly because they gave us like a pre-order egg that you could put the cartridge in. I was like, I want that egg. I've got to get that egg. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I know it'll be a fun one to co-op with as well. You know, just chill out and co-op and play. Yeah, is the the whole game's co-op, it, right? I think so. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do some co-op streams, Pixel. Then I can just play your copy. Yeah, the entire game's co-op. <laughs> That's it cool. Is. Do you know if it's online co-op or just um? It's on not the online. Okay. It just yeah, it's just local. Damn it. So so Pete, <laughs> you're gonna have to fly over to play with uh, play with Pixel. All right, I guess that's worth it. <laughs> just make sure you got some of that weird bubble chocolate waiting for me. <laughs> weird bubble chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that now? Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. That's probably why you're ill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Whatever you guys are putting in your chocolate over there, it's not sitting right with me. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Steve and I both had um, dis- the same thing, and I figured we could use this as an opportunity to talk about Tetris 99 since we've all played it. Uh, man, what a game. Like, Pixel and I were talking about it the other night, and like it's just Tetris, obviously, but Tetris being one of the best games of all time gives it a nice leg up already. And then I think, like for me anyway, the competitive like battle royale element to it is keeping me on the hook a lot more than like high score chasing yeah this is the first time i've ever probably got into tetris i really? think i probably would if i played tetris effect but the the kind of appeal of just a puzzly game a single player no, i guess you can't there is like um co-op in or um, multiplayer in puyo puyo tetris Battle. but yeah it's never really appealed to me but the whole like idea that you're battling other people or you're against the clock people are chucking junk rows into you and they can target you and you can target them back it's just really cool and it, it works amazingly well when i first heard oh it's battle royale tetris i kind of laughed and scoffed at it i was like <laughs> how the hell is that gonna work it's gonna be awful but it, it is it's absolutely incredible i can't stop playing it it's so addictive isn't it mm-hmm. it really is it's the only thing i've played since it came out <laughs> yeah it's 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 the most i've played of tetris since tetris ds for sure Nice. Um, quickly, we should roll call what's the highest place that we've all gotten. Number one. You got one. Wow. I did. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. I got my first number one on Friday night. Mine's seven. I'm 11th. That's the highest I've got. I've gotten to three. Wow. And I felt like my eyes were going to explode. I, I, I couldn't see anymore. It, the stress when the music gets faster after 50 <laughs> yeah. does it for me. And then when you get down to below 20 and it's really, really yeah. getting fast, it's wow. I, uh, my, my reaction times just can't keep up with it. And, and what I've learned is if you set your, um, your uh, lines to attack, you'll basically get annihilated in like two seconds because then everyone will start targeting you. Yep. Uh-huh. Um. So literally, I, I put it on an attack this morning. I played a game and I got 96 place because four people were 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 targeting me, and before I could even yeah. do anything, <laughs> all my lines were full. <laughs> that happened to me last night. I got like four lines into the like I got a Tetris. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, and then just got wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> you see the bar filling up at the side, and you're like, "This is just pointless. There's no point in me even even bothering putting any pieces yeah, down." So well, the uh, trick is to put it on random or to put it on kill, but do- don't put it on attack because then you'll get targeted. Yeah, I I usually go with KO until I'm further into the game and yeah. then there's fewer people, then switch to badges. Because if you kill the people with badges, you get their badges. Right. I'm not going to share any tips because I'm the worst Tetris player, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, so mine aren't good tips. <laughs> yeah, my strategy's generally been to do badge, uh, or at least for a while it was anyway. I was going badge first to get a badge. 
and then turning off attacks so people would stop targeting me. So I was doing more damage, but people started leaving me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, early in the game, when there's, like, less stress, it was easy to manage all of the attacks coming in, you know? I really hope they update it so you can actually play against your friends list, because that'd be so much fun. Like, having, I know, it won't be 99 people, but, like, just four of you playing against each other and chucking jump yeah. blocks at each other, that'd be so good. I mean, it would be cool, especially, like, if you could set up a lobby, because, like, if you're, like, a streamer or something, like, you could easily, like, get, like, oh, like, hey, we're going to do an audience game, you know? Like, try and try and beat me or whatever. Like, <laughs> they want to just target you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could have fleshed this out a lot, but then I, I don't think it'd be free to play, and, like, most of the appeal wouldn't be there. The fact that it's free is what's kind of made this blow up. Yeah. I wonder... If this is going to be a trend for future, if they're going to release more free games like this, or if it's a one-off. I feel like they probably will, because, like, we talked about um, in a previous episode about how they, they've been talking about how they're looking to make the online, like, a more attractive package for those who aren't invested already. And if you're not into the retro stuff, like, this is a thing that everyone's talking about and... I, I know, like, a few people who this actually, like, pushed over the edge to get an online subscription because they're like, well, I love Tetris nice. and everyone's talking about this right now. And it's not that I don't want a free library of NES games. It just didn't feel, like, worth it to me at launch, you know? And, like, they weren't even aware of what games had come to it already. Mm -hmm. So, like, I had a friend who's like, oh, I picked it up and Mario's on, Mario's 2's on there now, so I'm playing that again. I feel like getting things like this out the gate that kind of renew the conversation around Nintendo Switch Online seems to be, I think, a strategy that they'll probably continue moving forward. I even had a friend who was who was devastated when I was tweeting about Tetris 99, and they were like, oh, I can't seem to find it on the App Store. I was like, oh, no, it's it's not on mobile. It's just on, <laughs> it's just on Switch. He was like, oh, I don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy one. <laughs> if you want the Battle Royale experience of the generation... So what do you reckon, Tetris block for Smash next? Hey, Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> they, made, they made Duck Hunt a character. You're telling me they can't make the Tetris blocks? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Who owns the Tetris IP now? I can never figure that out. It's, it's, the, it's a separate entity, right? And they license it out to people? Yeah, because I, I feel like it's the estate of the man who created it. I'm totally not Googling this right now. Yeah, because I know when you boot up um, Tetris 99, it says sub-licensed to Nintendo. Someone called Hank Rogers owns it. Uh, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not that guy's son. Because he is, oh, he was a Russian citizen. Yeah, that's not um, his son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tetris Company LLC is a Hawaii-based. Oh, Hank Rogers and Alexei Pachinov. Yeah, that's the creator. There we go. Hmm. Fun facts. Riveting. All right. <laughs> so what have you been playing, so, Pete? You have to tell us, besides Tetris 99. Uh, besides Tetris 99, Steve wanted to talk about all the Amiibo. All of them. All of them. They're all here. Everyone is here, Pixel. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel made me open an Amiibo. Damn right. He made you? He did. He forced me. We bullied and you into he, it? And then he made me feel really bad because he was tweeting saying that they're being suffocated in their boxes. And I, I just <laughs> felt like, I just felt awful that my little piranha plant was being suffocated. When I saw him tweet that, I was like, he's he's cyberbullying Steve right now. He is. <laughs> that was such a subtweet, wasn't it? It was just like... The best one was you were like, oh, the, the plant looks amazing. The pot on it's really textured. And I was like, oh yeah, so, so what does a texture feel like? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but I've op- I've opened I've opened it. It's amazing. It's got it's even got like a little shiny tongue, which I love. Um, yeah, the, nice the build teeth. quality on this latest batch is like insane. Like you compare it to the original amiibo, and like they look like they look like um like when you go like you ever been on Reddit and you see when people share the like the knockoff like bootleg toys of well known <laughs> characters. Like yeah. some of the amiibo really look like that compared to like how good the new batch is. Like Piranha Plant's gorgeous, and I also picked up um uh, King K. Rule Ice Climbers, and one other one just came out. I think. But either way, and King K. Rule's got, like, the super gold belly and everything, and, like, the sheen on it is, like, disturbingly good-looking. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no yellow sticks on any of these new Amiibo, thankfully. Thankfully, those yellow sticks are gone. <laughs> that very, the very first Link Amiibo they released, the Smash Link Amiibo, yeah. it's absolutely terrible. That was the first <laughs> Amiibo I ever picked up. He's on a pea stick. And his face is a I love him though. I love how goofy they're like the Zelda that I have looks like um like a Photoshop where someone like took Zelda's face and like made just made it a little too small, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I have the uh I have the original villager, the one that was like insanely rare and everybody was like spending way too much money on them. Uh and like mm. his eyes are like huge on his face. It's like, I lo- I love it. <laughs> but yeah, uh the the newest build quality is great. The ice climbers too, like they're parkas have like a texture on them that's cool yeah have you used any of them in smash yet not in the new smash i have a couple of them that are trained up from smash 4 and i'm interested to see like if i port them in if they'll still like retain all their oh interesting like fighter memory or whatever i I have no idea how it works you level up the amiibo yeah so basically what you do is you scan them in and then you spar with them and like their ai learns how to fight based on how you fight so like Mm -hmm. It's actually a really good tool for training yourself because it'll learn the patterns that you always do and then start like punishing you for them. You know, so, so like, if I, so if I scan Kirby in, I couldn't just hammer up and B the entire right. time. Or like, if you just kept like doing like down B or whatever, like eventually okay. he'd be like, "All right, well, cool, I'm gonna jump and knock you out of that before you can hit me." Uh, so I, I was able to use it, especially with characters who I'm not good with or who I have struggle fighting against. I would train them up. And then spar against them. I actually had a friend of mine who uh, was like a really, he's like a Lucas main. I had him like train my Lucas and then I took it back to like train against it. And like the next time we fought, I was like, now I know all your tricks. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, But yeah, so uh, the next wave just got uh, pre-order ready too. So I pre-ordered Daisy, Ken, and Toon Link. I'm I'm back in it, man. Oh, is it Young Link, right? Not Toon Link? Yeah, Young Link. Sorry. I think that's the only one of those, that batch I'm probably going to pick up. I've got all of the other Link Amiibos, and I, I really just want a, com- a complete set. I, that's a set I have to go back and collect. I don't have any of the, like, secondary Zeldas that they put out, because they, like, I went from, like, peak, I'm collecting every Amiibo, to just being, like, I am poor, and I cannot afford anything. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I, the only Smash ones I'm missing, I think I'm missing, like, one or two from the original set, and then I need, like, Wolf and whatever the other first one dropped was, because I missed those pre-orders, and then they became impossible to find. But I, I learned from the old Amiibo, where I'm not buying anything secondhand anymore. Not gonna go spend forty dollars on a wolf or whatever because I know they're gonna reprint that that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> are you um, into amiibo collecting stuff, or are you totally against it? I'm not against it. I just don't have the space or the room to collect it to really collect them. Mm-hmm. I'd want them all in a in a perfect world. Um, but I, I don't have a single one as as it stands That's right smart. now. I'm I'm very pro amiibo, but you're right. If you want them all, just don't buy any. It's like smoking cigarettes, man. Once you start, it's just too hard to stop. I'd want the Simon Belmont one that they showed off in in the direct. 
Yeah. I'd want the Snake one. Um, I'd want all the Fire Emblem. I basically want all the JRPG characters. I'd want Cloud. <laughs> um, you know, I'd want all those. But yeah, I just I just haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Makes sense. I've I've collected two, and I'm just like no more. And that, unless <laughs> like a really nice one comes out, I just buy them for looking at on on the side. And my uh-huh. girlfriend would kill me if I had like a hundred until Pikmin comes out. Oh my uh, god. I have a Pikmin yeah. Amiibo now. I know, yeah, but they're going to have, like, new Pikmin Amiibo, be like an individual one that does something else. You know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get all these. Yeah, it's probably true. That's how they yeah. get me, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> funny, man, because, like, the thing you said about uh, about your missus, like, uh, my girlfriend does not have a problem with my collectibles, but she's just like, we got to talk about where we're putting these Amiibos, because you have about a hundred of them, and I have no <laughs> idea where you think they're all going. It's like, it's fine. I'm just going to build a display in my <laughs> office and I'm going to put them on the wall. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Line them up all around the bath. <laughs> <laughs> what I really want to do is I, I really want to build a dis- like a lighted display case and just put them in the order that they are on the select screen. Like That's like my ultimate display dream for them. For the Smash ones, anyway. I'll, I have a bunch of odds and ends like Animal Crossing and whoever. They can go somewhere else. My nice, the Isabel you sent me just lives on my desk, Pixel. Does it? Did you unbox it? You sent it to me unboxed. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would have. <laughs> the only ones that I keep in their boxes are ones that I really like the packaging for. Like all the Smash ones I took out of their boxes. But like I have all the Breath of the Wild ones mm-hmm. still in their boxes. Because like the back art is like the watercolor style like image. And I'm just like, they're beautiful. I've got, you know? fe- I've got a feeling they're not going to get reprinted either. I think they'll end up being real collector's figures. Yeah. The only one I took the um Steve actually has it behind him the Guardian I have him out of the box he's on my desk <gasps> oh too. yeah but his he's got opposable arms but I couldn't take him out what yeah. I really want to do with him is like three D print um a thing for him to go on like the broken down church or something like that from yeah. Breath of the Wild that he kind of sits on I think he'd look really awesome there. I mean, I think a 3D printer sounds like a really sound investment for the company, mm-hmm. you guys. I think Loot Pots needs a 3D printer. Uh, <laughs> let's order can, that right it now. It can live at my so. house. It's fine. I've got room for it right there. You can send well, it I mean, here, it's, Pixel. It's, it's, it's probably cheaper if you send it to me because I'm in the States and, you know, the shipping <laughs> or whatever. Like, you know, it's easier that way. They make all the 3D printers here. So. <laughs> All right, so if you want to let us know what you're playing this week or get in touch about any of the other stories we're talking about on this episode or any other episode of the podcast, remember, you can hit us up at podcast at loopots.com. That's P-O-T-S-C-A-S-T at loopots.com. Follow at loopots on Twitter or visit us at loopots.com. Or now our brand new platform. You can visit us over at twitch.tv slash loopots. Uh, give us a follow. We're dangerously close to becoming affiliates, so uh, we would love it if you'd show your support over there. And uh, we're going to try and stream at least once a week for the foreseeable future, and we'll ramp that up as time goes on. But we're still we're still figuring out our schedule over there. Uh, and then, you know, we've also got our YouTube channel, which I know we've promised we're bringing stuff to. We're working on some really cool stuff right now, so you're going to want to go give that a subscribe and get ahead of the game. And uh, Stealth, you know, you're also uh, all over the internet. Why don't you let the uh, the pots heads at home know where they can find you? Uh, you can follow me at Stealth40K uh, on Twitter. All right, so jumping into the news, uh, we've got something that I'm sure Pixel is excited to talk about. I'm there so is excited. a <laughs> brand new Hollow Knight game. So excited, um, I'm cutting into your talking. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know, so... This is such a good deliverance as well, because on the announcement of this, because I wrote an article beforehand, and they were saying, like, DLC is coming to Hollow Knight, you're going to be able to play as Hornet, as a as a character, and 
the whole time I thought, oh, you know, it's just going to be like a half hour addition to Hollow Knight. Uh, little DLC, same as the ones they've done before. And then they just randomly tweet out, oh yeah, by the way, Hollow Knight, uh, the playable Hornet character, is a brand new game. Hollow Knight Silksong. So <laughs> I, I was like, wow. I was I prepped an article that was like, short article to go over DLC. And I was like, wow, I'm going to have to bin that and write that it's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were really sneaky with the way they worded it. It was just like you're going to get your first look at it on Valentine's Day, but mm-hmm. and and everyone assumed it was going to be DLC because that's what it was on the Kickstarter, right? And um, then they announced that it was a a full thing. I don't, I don't know if they ever said that it was DLC on Kickstarter, but the kicks they said Kickstarter people would get the playable Hornet for free. Okay, so they're going to get the game for free, presumably. Yep, people that backed it on Kickstarter get the game for free. The sequel is completely free. That's amazing. Yeah. You have to imagine they probably originally planned it as just a like additional DLC kind of thing, and like it's it seems like they learned from the mistakes that Shovel Knight made, where it's like let's be like vague, like oh there's a character you'll get for free, and then it's like oh no we decided to make it into a full fledged game, like nobody's gonna like chastise them for it either, you know? There's so much content though. It's it's in, like apparently there's like 150 new enemies, brand new kingdom. It's like. All new moves, new like abilities to pick up. This must have taken them so long to make, yet they managed to keep it under wraps the whole time while releasing DLC at the same and, time. Yeah, as well. and a and a Switch port and a PS4 port. This team's just like throwing stuff out. It's crazy. You know, it's the three people. The team is three people. I don't know how what? the hell they've done it. Seriously, three people is their team. That's, That's crazy. I was going to say, I wonder if, like, maybe they grew the team a little bit since the game came out or whatever, but wow, like, good for them. Well, four if you include the composer, I guess, but still. Sure. We uh, There was a... The, Hollow Knight got an ESRB rating as well, didn't it? Um, this, it did, yeah. This previous week. Do you know, or do you think Hollow Knight Silk Song is going to be included as, like, a multi-pack, or do you think it'll be a separate release? That's interesting, actually. Because they did have that deal, didn't they, where they were going to release Hollow Knight Physical and then mm-hmm. they binned it. I I wonder. I mean, that might have this might have influenced that, but I I imagine it'll be available in both ways. I could see it following a similar trajectory, like I said, to Shovel Knight, but also to like um. You often see like Inside and Limbo, like that. Like you can buy both of them separately, but there's like a package to get the like definitive hollow knight collection or whatever you know like i could see something like that being the physical copy and you can buy them both in a bundle for like 40 bucks or get them both separately for like 25 or whatever you know costs i was i was gonna say i um i think it's gonna be physically if they're gonna do it you'll get both of them in the uh, in the same way that you get both of the Mega Man collection in one cartridge or one pack, sure. And then if and you then want you to download the if other, if you want it digitally, then yeah, you get you get the other. You can buy them separately digitally. I've, I've been waiting to get Hollow Knight physical for so long. Is it going to be one that you pick up, even though you've yeah, already played it and away. you have it? You just want it yep. as part of your physical collection. That's the thing. In like ten years' time, when the eShop servers are down or the Switch servers are down, there's a few games that I absolutely love and I still want to be able to play them. And if like, I can play it on Steam, I guess if that's still around at the time. But it's it's not the same. I, I prefer playing it on Switch, and I know I'm not going to bin my Switch in the future. So physical's away for me. It always has been. What about you, Stealth? Are you physical or digital? Pretty much always physical when I can. Um, I've been more open to digitally only games than I have been, um, which has been a change for me pretty much this generation. But yeah, I'm definitely more physical. 
And have you played Hollow Knight? Bought it. Uh, I put about f- literally no more than <laughs> 45 minutes into it before I got sidetracked with other, with other games. Um, you know, I, it's, I had it, a kind of similar experience. Yeah, it, it's on my main Switch bar. I just have to um, I just have to go back to it. I just have to finish the 20 other games that I'm playing right now, <laughs> and then eventually I'll get to it. After I beat all those SNES games, I'll get around to Hollow Knight. <laughs> you've got to play it. All of you have got to play it. It's so good. I, I never got out. I, I never got past the first boss. I think. I think I killed the first boss. I, I didn't have a great experience when 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 I when I first started playing it, just because you don't get a menu. You're not really sure. Like I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of got a little lost right at the beginning, and so it made the decision to put it down for something else a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it'll be better when I go back to it, if I go back to it. I think once you find the map guy and you manage to get a compass, it becomes a lot clearer of where you've been and where to go. And as you draw things on the map, as you discover them. Yeah, I think that, that's the whole kind of thing, isn't it? Anyone who plays Hollow Knight, you, the beginning is like throws you into a random place with no way of knowing where you are, how to get around. And then from that point, it just expands onwards, but you progress and get maps and you can see areas and areas where you haven't been. And it's kind of, that's, it all centers around that exploration. And the intro is a bit challenging in that way, especially if you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, there's something about the loop of it that was like, hard for me to get into at first like i got to the point where i had the map i was starting to advance and i felt like i was getting somewhere and then i hit a brick wall where i'm just like i don't really know what to do next and i don't know how to get a clue you know so it was very much just like ah this is driving me crazy right now i'm gonna go play something else if you get stuck in hollow night just look at your map and look at any kind of tunnels that you haven't explored yet that kind of yeah. fade into black and that's usually the way you have to go I, i'm gonna get back to it one of these days i i think i think i actually stopped playing it to play minute so i stopped one recommendation of yours to play another one so i didn't feel that bad about oh, it that's fine then. that's fine <laughs> uh so moving right along we've got the announcement of six uh classic crpgs uh including games like baldur's gate uh, Icewind Dale and Planescape and Neverwinter Nights are all going to be coming to Nintendo Switch thanks to a publishing partnership between Skybound Games and Beamdog, which is uh, a development studio founded by a couple of Bioware veterans who worked on some of these games, uh, Trent Oster and Cameron Topher. Um, so this is really cool. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I, I'm i a big fan of some of these games. I loved Baldur's Gate. But Steve, I got to put you on blast here. In this article, you say that these are available on consoles for the first time. Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2 are both on the playstation 2 that's right I, hey, I no baldur's gate uh dark alliance on ps2 but not um the original crpgs oh. and dark alliance is the one i would really love to come but um no these are the original CRPGs. i didn't realize that they were different games totally yeah the ones games. on ps2 are our uh, side games mm-hmm. oh okay well she don't i have that on my face <laughs> they're more like um dungeon hack and slash uh, Dark Alliance. Yeah. These are traditional CRPG, turn-based CRPGs. I, I love these games. These are the games of my childhood. I uh, grew up mainly on PC games uh, like this and the original Diablo, and um, I'm really excited for them. Especially Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. Especially Baldur's Gate 2, really. That's the best one of the series, in my opinion. Have you pl- How many other ones have you played on the list? I've played a little bit of Icewind Dale, um, and I think that's pretty much it. That's the only one... 
I I really want to go back and play because I know that there's like you know that Bioware lineage there, and that's one of their only games I've never even touched. But I'm now realizing I've never played Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate Two. I thought I I thought the PlayStation ones were just like you know it's like oh yeah they ported them over there mm-hmm. you go. It's like, I'm totally wrong. Uh, well, Icewind Dale is actually owned by Black Isle Studios, which is uh, the precursor to Obsidian. Yes. It is um so it's created by the same people that created fallout so yeah some really cool pedigree on these games how do you feel about them coming to switch do you think that they're gonna handle well like that that transition is gonna be fluid or it depends how the controls work they're very mouse heavy um if they manage to get touch controls which they should these have been ported to ios and android so they should be able to bring in touch controls i think it will work really well but it's just going to be how they manage to get the controller controls to work very cool so Stealth, what's your relationship with these games? Have you ever played any of this CRPG stuff? Um, no, I don't have any relationship with them. I, I, I'm not really a PC gamer, so I, I never played them at all. I've heard of them, but I've never played them. And I'm looking forward to playing uh, Planescape. That, that's pretty much the one that has my attention. What made that one stick out to you? Um, only because I've heard it's a more traditional RPG um, than some of the others. Yeah, that, that that's kind of, and I've just heard good things about it. It's always on like top like 100 best RPG lists and stuff. Sure. Any of you in Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, I love Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, you'll feel right at home in this, like enemies like the Beholder and stuff, uh, straight in here. I'd like to see some new Dungeons and Dragons computer games. It's been a while. I'd love, I'd love Obsidian to get their hands on it. Well, I feel like they're working on a game like this, aren't they? Because I know that they made that partnership with Private Division, which is that 2K imprint that's making like the single A mm-hmm. games. That's that's very uh, much they... like um, Fallout 4. That's called the Outer World. Um, so that's no, that's no, like no, the no. one of Fallout. But the one you're on about is uh, I cannot remember Pillars of Eternity, which is coming to the yeah, Switch. Okay. Pillars of Eternity 2 is coming to the Switch, which is very similar okay, to this. Right. That was but the one. I think a lot of people would love the traditional Dungeons and Dragons license sure. to go back to them. Yeah, I would. I would love to see that. Um, did you ever play Pillars of Eternity? I know we both read about it in Jason's book, but I, I, I've never checked it I, out. I haven't. It's been on my list for a while. I, I, I around, there was a time a couple of years ago when I was really looking to play a game like this and I opted to play, um, Divinity Original Sin instead because it had okay. higher reviews. Uh, I'd love Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin to both come to the Switch as well at some point. I think they would fit really well on the platform. What about you, Pixel? Any interest in any of these? I've never played any of them, um, but if they look good, I'll, I'll pick them up and try them. Um, if they look terrible, then you know I'll just ignore them and pretend they don't exist. What What's your take on like um, turn based RPGs, though? Are you into those? I, I, yeah, I don't mind turn based RPGs. It's not my favorite genre, but there's some good games out there. So it all depends on what they look like, you know, how they, they play. They're probably gonna look very old. Well, old's not bad. It's in terms of like gameplay. If they look like they're good games, I'll okay. try them out. If they, you know, or I'll just get the take from you when you get them. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm excited about these. I I hope I have the time to dive into them because like I like I've I think I've said on this show before. Um, Bioware is like one of my favorite developers, and getting to explore that lineage a little bit uh, is something I'm really excited about. But I think one of the things that was coolest to me about this story is just uh, Skybound Games, man. Like, they're coming on the scene in a really big way, and I'm excited to see what more they do in the space. You know, like, they've made some really cool partnerships with indies and the stuff they did with Telltale, like, to salvage the Walking Dead game and everything. Like, mm-hmm. I, they've got a lot of resources and some really good people at the top of that company, so I'm I'm really excited to see if this is an example of the kind of stuff that they're interested in doing. Like, I'm, I'm about it. It's interesting because this ties in nicely with Hollow Knight. Skybound Games were the first company to 
say they were going to do physical Hollow Knight. So there you go. Segways. Segways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the last news story we're going to talk about this week before we jump into what's out this week on Nintendo Switch is there's a, a, a rumor going around, a prototype that's being circled around that uh, there may be a VR experience coming to uh, Nintendo Switch via a Nintendo Labo kit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it. I want to believe it, but I don't believe it at all. I I don't want to believe it because I just don't think that's going to be very good. I mean, like, it's obviously possible to make um, at least a serviceable VR experience by, like, doing the, like, what was it, the Samsung gear or whatever it was, where you basically just put cardboard glasses and stick a phone in front of your face. Mm -hmm. But, like, the Switch's screen is only 720. Like, are they going to break that down to 360p on to get the, you know what I mean? Like, that just seems. 3DS. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. What do you think about this, Stealth? I really don't believe it. And I'm not into VR in the first place, so I, I wouldn't be too interested in it. I, it just doesn't sound good. <laughs> I don't know how it could be, you know? Yeah, it's, just, it's a very weird rumor that just kind of popped up overnight. I, I guess it could technically work with Labo if it was like just a, you know, a really basic example of VR on Labo. You know, just for messing around, but... I just, I don't see them investing time in trying to make it work unless it's like for a new Switch model. And I don't think kids are even allowed to use VR, are they? So it doesn't really make sense for it to be in a Labo kit. (laughs) I feel like Reggie also famously threw a ton of shade at VR. (laughs) Like when there was that one year at E3 where everybody was like debuting their new VR project and he was just like, you know, we're really focused on games that are fun. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, burn. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't think it's happening. Do, do you think there's VR in the works, Steve, or not? I could see it, um, like a Google Cardboard style thing, where it's more mm-hmm. of an experience and you can use something with Labo, and maybe it's more video centric, and you're like, I don't know, just like r- riding a roller coaster or something. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be like immersive VR games without head tracking. You're going to feel nauseous as hell. Yeah. And I don't think the screen's high enough resolution to be worthwhile. I guess you could use the IR sensor for head tracking. Just make put a cardboard X on the middle of your forehead. <laughs> yeah, I mean you could do you could do like put the Joy-Con on the other side of the room and hope that it picks it up somehow, like with the re- reflective tape. But I don't think it's going to be particularly great. <laughs> Happy to pass on this one. The thing I could potentially see it working in tandem with is you know that robot thing, the the robot Labo kit. Mm-hmm. Sure. You could make, it has like a visor thing. Maybe you could have it so you like slot the switch into the visor, and you're kind of playing as the robot thing with the switch in the headset, and it's sort of like you're a, a mech person. I could maybe see something like that, but I can't see it being a, a full VR experience. You know how um, Google have the Google Street Maps, and if you use a gyrometer in your phone, you can look around. Mm-hmm. They could essentially it could just be that you put the screen in to a eye slot visor thing. And then you turn your head, look around, and hey, it's using a gyroscope and accelerate accelerometer to look around. I just don't see it working with VR just because it's such a low resolution anyway. Yeah, I mean, Google have um, Daydream for Android phones that is a similar solution where you kind of pop it into this headset, which was an evolution of Google Cardboard. But the screens on those phones are even higher resolution than the Switch. 
Mm-hmm. And well, they've right. got a high pixel, den- pixel density as well because they're smaller screens. It's not only high resolution; they're smaller screens too. So that's that's the problem you've got. I mean, this would make it probably like what half the resolution of the PSVR, which many consider to already be pretty low resolution when you compare it to like an Oculus. Mm-hmm. Sure. And based on the size of the switch, it's bigger as well. The screen actual dimensions of the screen, so the pixel density will be really low. So it it will look terrible. Let's put it bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> No pulling punches today, eh? Nope. When do we ever pull punches on this show? <laughs> All right, so moving along to what's out this week, uh, we've got a couple good, couple good things out this week to talk about. Uh, on Thursday, February twenty-first, we've got Rotating Brave. Yeah, this game looks really interesting. You start in vertical, and then as you progress through the game, it makes you rotate. So it's like a it's like a platformer that you kind of start off in one orientation and then you have to turn the switch. I'm very intrigued as to how this is going to work docked or if it does work docked at all. Yeah, it might be one of those games that's like only handheld. Yeah, it could be one of the few that are only only handheld, but it seemed uh, quite a cool concept. Yeah, it yeah, says it's fun. handheld and tabletop only, so yeah, it doesn't Makes work sense. in docked mode. Yeah, I like the look of it. Maybe uh maybe want to check out. It's very cheap. It's only 5 bucks. Yeah, it's it's I think it's really a game that's um sold on the concept if you think it's a cool concept of of playing a game in one orientation and then moving to the other like you're going down the screen and then as you flip the screen you're going across the screen to kind of get through the platforms. I think it's quite a, quite a cool idea. If you had a flip grip you could like attach two for that mode, attach two in the normal <laughs> positions and then it'd be like a <laughs> like a cross of Joy-Cons and you could just rotate it around like a mm-hmm. wheel. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, yeah, so then on uh, Friday the 22nd, we've got Deathmark. I love that nobody knows anything about these games. Am I the only <laughs> one that's read these? You picked them, so usually you have like a thing where you're like, this is what stuck out, and then we, we say more things. You, you, I'm throwing you the ball, and you're just dropping it, man. <laughs> what do you got for me? Uh, this is uh, kind of like a visual novel, as far as I'm aware. Looks like it's like a noir kind of thing. You're solving a mystery. Is that how you say it there? No- noir? Noir. 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 How do you say it? Noah. Like L.A. Noir, right? Noir, yeah. Noir. <laughs> My girlfriend's shaking her head at me. Apparently I said it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to represent America poorly on this one. Stealth, how do you say it? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like L.A. Noir. It's Noir. Yeah. Noir. That's what I thought it was. All it's right, there noir. we go. She's gave me, she gave me the thumbs up. Okay. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've got a fact checker there. Yeah, yeah, that's what she's here for. <laughs> gotta keep, gotta keep me in check. But yeah, it looks like um, a visual novel in the same style of like um, the Zero Escape series. Presumably, it's uh, kind of a, a well-known game. So well-known, we all don't know it. Yeah, I, I'm not big into <laughs> visual novels. I don't know about you. Like, I've played, I've played the Zero Escape games. I really want to get into Danganronpa. Danganronpa is excellent. I really want that to come to Switch. I keep going. Oh, should I buy it on the Vita? Should I just go get it? And then I stop myself. <laughs> Do it. Dust off the Vita. V- Vita means life. That's the one with the, that's the, one with the panda, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not a panda. He's like thing. a demon bear. Okay, right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's... Monokuma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So next up, we've got Aragami Shadow Edition, uh, which is like the de- the definitive edition of... Uh, it's a third-person stealth game. Yeah, it was due out, I think, in November. Um, but it's finally making it to the Switch. I... I... You know, I'm 
I'm trying to figure it out right. Okay, never mind. For a second, I thought this was one of the games that was published by Coconut Island, and I was going to be like, "Run away from this! <laughs> no, no, Run no, away no. from this as fast <laughs> as you can!" But it's it's published by Merge Games, so we're fine. No, no this, I've seen this one's I've quite seen well, this game. a well-received game. I think it's like a yeah, it's a, it's a proper game. I'll be picking this one up. <laughs> That's why I was afraid because I was like, "Oh no, please tell me that they didn't get the, their hands on a good game to port, and they're going to ruin it." <laughs> I feel like this may be overshadowed by Assassin's Creed. Not really, because Assassin's Creed games are crap. Really? Boom! Hot takes, wow, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the two layer the two layer porting are like the worst two Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, arguably. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, uh, yo, Pixel, you're going to pick this one up, though? I am, yeah. I've seen footage of it. I think it was at E3 years and years ago, or like some indie thing that I watched. And it looks really, really good. And it's co-op, if I remember rightly. So you can have two of you playing as little ninja people. I don't know if it's... Better check the details. I fact check that one. Uh, yeah, it's two players. So two of you can play at the same time and basically it's um did you ever i can't remember what the game's called um but you used to play as a ninja jumping from the rooftops and stealthily taking people out it was like a ps1 game tenchi is it yeah yeah i do remember that yeah so it's kind of like that where you have to stealth around take people out and um to be honest it just looks visually really good yeah the art's really sharp Mm -hmm. and it's had good reviews on other platforms, so it's just one that I'll put time aside to play just because I've not played anything like it in such a long time. It was one of those games I remember Steam was like really trying to shove down my throat. It was just like, hey, you might like this game. You might like this. You like platformers. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is like uh, the Switch release has got the DLC included in it or an extra campaign yeah. or something as well. So good place to try it. Uh, then next Thursday, the 26th, we've got Remy Lore, which is a roguelite game, uh, anime style, like hack and slash. It looks like there's a ton of content, and it sounds like a very, like, Japanese slice of life, but with, like, weird stuff. You know, it's like, oh, Remy's an ordinary high school student who's awakened Lore, a talking book who's a self-proclaimed master of magic. So if that sounds like your vibe... <laughs> Uh, there's a mysterious android girl named Shu. Uh, it's all, all kinds of weird stuff, but it's, um, got a full single player story mode with, uh, Japanese voice acting, two player co-op, uh, upgradable spells, bonus traits, procedurally generated levels, four different worlds, four different seasons. Like there's a lot of stuff, 200 collectible weapons, new game plus seems like if you're into like roguelike games, like there's a lot to keep you busy here and got a different aesthetic than, you know, probably what you're used to. Seems to be published by Nicholas as well, so it's probably going to be all right. Uh, so then we've got Constructor Plus. Yeah, this is on the twenty eighth. What's up with this one? So it's like uh, it looks like it's like a sim. This has been—I swear this was announced like right at the beginning when the Switch was announced, maybe in the original Nindies thing. I remember seeing this like years ago. It's like been a year due, and a half ago. It's been due out forever, and it's finally oh God, coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember this. And it looks like there's a lot of content. It says there's 15 different story modes. Mm-hmm. It's like a SimCity style game, as far as I'm aware. And I love SimCity. If this is any good, I'll, I'll I'll probably pick this up. I love I love like I don't know. I really like like building Sims like this. But I they have to be like in that middle space. Like I want something like more like SimCity than like something like Factorio, which gets like really really. 
like crazy and granular. Have you checked out? Um, I can't remember the name of it. Cities and Skylines. Yeah, City Skylines. Have you checked out City Skylines on? I haven't. I've heard it's really good though. It's uh, it, I played it on PC and it's um, it's probably what you're looking for, like a modern Sim City. I would recommend checking that out before you check out Constructor Plus. I don't know how the Switch port plays, but um, I, I think it's probably worth checking out. That's a game I'd probably pick up on PC. I'd rather have the mouse and keyboard for something like that. Yeah, that's usually how, how I prefer to play them. The one other one I really want to check out, and I think it came to Switch, is the one where you build like a giant tower. Do you remember that one that was called? I do remember that, but I don't remember the title. It's like It's like a Sim Tower spiritual successor. While you look that one up, I'm going to talk about the next two games because Project I can't high contain rise. my excitement. Project High Rise. <laughs> Project High Rise. Okay, great. I know it's on Switch because I had, wrote this article. I had to ruin my segue. It's, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's either on Switch or it's coming to Switch. Uh, so the last two games we're going to touch on are two I am really excited for or I'm already a big fan of. Uh, Ape Out is a uh, really, really cool looking beat em up. It's um, and I I we I did an article about it a while back where uh, it's like. You play an ape, and, like, you're locked up on every level, and you need to, like, escape escape whatever, like, building or, like, you know, scenario you're in, essentially. And uh, it's got a, just a really cool art style, very bold colors. It reminds me a lot of, like, Hotline Miami. I was literally going like, to say, it looks like that top-down Hotline Miami style, where you're going through. Yeah, but just instead you're a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the thing that I thought was the most interesting about it, aside from, you know, like, just the general, like, gameplay looks tight, is, uh, the, all the levels are, like, procedurally generated, and the music is, um, dynamic. Oh. So it's got, like, a dynamic jazz soundtrack, so, like, the, like, drum accents and, like, cymbal hits and, you know, like, different, like, you know, like, kind of, like, chords will come based on what you're doing and, like, the way that you're fighting and stuff like that so it has this really like frantic energy to it and it, it just is like it's right up my alley that's really cool I, I hadn't heard about that before i'd heard of the game but i had no idea that it was kind of procedurally generated i'd just seen oh top down style game it looks like one to watch out for is this the one that got delayed so it could hit 60 fps yeah it was due, it, it was due out on the 7th and you know they pushed it back because they really wanted to target 60 frames a second which i think is the right thing to do yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, like, especially to push it back, like, two weeks, it's like, whatever. I'd rather wait for it and have it be this excellent version that, like, makes a great first impression rather than, oh, it's kind of rough at launch and they patch 60 FPS in a couple weeks later. That's what everyone seems to do, so kudos to them for actually going, no, we're delaying it by two weeks instead. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to work out in their favor, too, you know? Like, the game's going to get a better rep for it, and I think it already looks good, so I think people just need to get their hands on it, and this, I think this is going to be a pretty big game. Uh, so then the last game this week, also out on February 28th, is Deltarune. <laughs> Deltarune Chapter 1, I, I'm you guys. I'm so, so excited. I really want to know if Stealth's played Undertale before we talk about it. I haven't played Undertale. Um, it's, again, oh. it, I, haven't even, I haven't even downloaded it. it. It's it's one of the... It's only $10 this week, man. Yeah, I, it's, it, I think it's a, the problem is it doesn't sell itself from the screenshots. <laughs> I, I really wouldn't have played it. Well, no, I mean, I know it's good. I just, I just need to find the time. Stealth, I know we don't know each other very well, but just just take take our word on this one. It's it's a game worth playing. Like you you're doing yourself a disservice if you never play Undertale. I, eventually, I will play it. It's on my list of recent <laughs> things that I need to play. So just there imagine. are te- there are tiers to this list. Yeah, it goes all the way back yeah, to SNES. Are. Remember, 
Huh. <laughs> yeah, I have a backlog that's uh, seemingly insurmountable now, but that that's it, it, what it was. Is I had a choice between um, I was I was gonna buy Undertale or I was going to buy Hollow Knight, no. and I ended up getting. No, Hollow Knight. You, that was the right yeah. choice. And then I ended up not playing, and and then I ended up not playing <laughs> Hollow Knight either. So. It, the, the, but that is That's actually downloaded. definitely, definitely the wrong choice. That was such a good choice. Hollow Knight is better than Undertale. Sorry, that, guys. You're high, Pixel. You're <laughs> high. <laughs> anyway, so Deltarune is essentially a sister game to Undertale, and there's really no way that I can talk about its relationship to Undertale without spoiling something about it for you. Absolutely, do not spoil it for me. I would mm-hmm. not dream of it, Steve. I have played a teeny tiny bit when it came out on Halloween last year, and then I had to go to a gig, and I was like, oh, I'll play that when I get back, and then I never played it. I was like, I really want this on the Switch, and now it's finally coming to the Switch. But it seems to have it seems to have some of the same characters, or at least they looked like the same characters from the from Undertale, but I know it's a completely separate world, and some have links, but not sure... So I'm just going to play no. it and find out. Pete's biting his lips so hard. <laughs> no comment, baby. Here, so here's what I'm here's what I'm proposing. Next week, you guys like we'll pick it up. We'll we'll do a, we'll do a game club the following week. Yes. How's that sound? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could definitely beat it by then. It's only like 3 hours. Yeah, it's, this is just the first chapter that's that's free and then more yeah. coming. I'm I'm curious as to whether Toby Fox is going to release them all in one go or if it's going to be here's chapter 1, here's chapter 2, here's chapter 3. So originally, uh, he is known to use uh, TweetLonger, you know, which is a, a platform to like release essentially like long form like blogs like yeah. on Twitter. And um, he has talked about it a lot, like when the first episode came out. And he said that his intention was to finish the entire game and then put it out. But I have a hard time believing that now because mm-hmm. the fact that he put out chapter one on Switch makes me feel like maybe he's changed his mind and we're going to get chapter two sooner than we think or that because his whole thing was like he made Undertale essentially by himself and it was a pretty similar work structure for the first chapter of Deltarune. But now he's like actually building out a studio like his own team to like finish the game because he's like, if I do it alone, I'll never finish it because it's like. A lot longer. So, oh, it's like a I George R.R. R. Martin situation going on over there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so I, I, I wonder if maybe they brought on a project manager or like a business manager, someone who's like, no, we need to put out chapter two when it's ready, not wait like years and put this out, like strike while the iron's hot. Or he had a change of heart, or maybe putting the team together worked a lot better than he thought, and the game's moving like way quicker, and they can actually like see the light at the end of the tunnel for when they can actually conceivably release it, you know? So I think it could be any of those things, but I do think the game showing up on Switch now feels suspect to me. It feels like it it is signifying something Mm -hmm. to come, you know? Not that, oh, the game's two years away. Here's the first chapter on Switch. So I read in, it was an interview, um, that apparently was on the Nintendo news section on the Switch, that Toby Fox has said that, Although he's got all the story worked out and most all of that side of it's mostly done, development on the other chapters is currently at zero percent still. So I, I don't think we're going to be seeing it anytime Pixel, soon. Pixel, you're breaking my heart. The other day <laughs> we were talking about this privately, and you're like, I don't know, man. I wonder if it's going to come out at the end of the year. And I was like, Don't even play with me like that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We're here to the main event, boys. It is the Nintendo Direct from February 13th, 2019. 
Uh, it was it was a solid one, you know. So let's let's start there. Let's start on uh, initial thoughts on the direct reactions to the first direct we got in 2019. First direct in a while. Uh, Stealth being our guest, what was your just overall review, I guess, of of what Nintendo had to show? You know, in in general, I thought this was a great direct. Um, you know, as a JRPG fan, a lot of it really spoke oh, to so me. Oh, this spoke directly to you. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was <laughs> this was great. And honestly, it it's felt like the last like three or four directs have been really really solid. You know, I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about the games in a second. But yeah, overall, I was super happy. Yeah, I mean, if there's any highlights you want to throw out or whatever, that's fine. Yeah, you know, highlights for me: Fire Emblem, Dragon Quest. Mario Maker, Zelda, you know, the, the uh, major titles. Astral Chain was a giant surprise. But yeah, that's basically it. What about you, Steve? I I was very happy. Very, very happy. It started on a high for me. Peak went down a little bit in the middle, and then pff, right at the end, I was like, I couldn't, right back I couldn't up. believe it. I was like, <laughs> wow, this looks amazing. So yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about it. But I was very, very pleased with it. Very, very happy. When they announced that it was going to be focused on Fire Emblem, I was a little bit concerned because Fire Emblem's not a franchise that I'm particularly interested in. But there wasn't a lot about Fire Emblem in there. So I was, I was very happy. It wasn't like, a, <laughs> it wasn't like a Smash Direct where it really is about Smash. You didn't get to see the Fire Emblem menu, so. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, no. we did not have Sakurai to take <laughs> us through all the detailed menu systems at play in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, what about you, Pixel? What do you think? Yeah, it was good. Um, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a solid direct. Um, I'm absolutely gutted that you've not heard anything Pikmin related. But Pikmin aside, it, it was a really good direct, and the ending made it for me completely. Yeah, I I would say I'm I'm aligned with you on that one. I was disappointed to not see Pikmin. I know you're famously the Pikmin <laughs> fan on this show, but I also really love Pikmin. So I I was I was disappointed. I really want a Pikmin three port, mm-hmm. uh, and then an announcement of four, because I still never have gotten a play three. Um, but I would say overall it was like a B plus direct for Nintendo. For me personally as a fan, I'd say it was like a a, a solid B. I think it was a, a really good direct. I thought it was well paced. I didn't feel like they wasted a lot of time on anything. And I thought they, they came with the announcements. You know, I think that cold open of Super Mario Maker 2 is like, I was like, oh, well, we're off to the races mm-hmm. here. Like, that's that's a big announcement to just drop, you know? So that was that was really cool. And overall, I think it it shows to me, again, that, like, Nintendo has a strong year ahead of them. That coming out the gate, these are the things that they wanted to talk about. And we know that there are a lot of things, you know, in their back pocket that are uh, probably a combination of the stuff that we kind of know is coming, as well as stuff like Mario Maker, which we really couldn't have necessarily predicted. You know, or, or Zelda is maybe a better example of that. Mm-hmm. So I think with that in mind, like, it paints a picture of a really strong 2019 for them, which is following up another, you know, strong 2018 and a strong 2017. So it's great to see that the the train still has steam. It had to be a good one, though. After that Metroid announcement, they, they really had to make yeah. sure the next direct was at least, you know, semi-decent and not full of filler content. And there was a big gap, you know? Like, it's it's been a while since we've had one. Mm-hmm. So, like, them coming out the gate and this being a strong one was something I was really happy to see. Before we get into all the announcements, um, we touched on, there were a bunch of instant drops. There's the Yoshi demo. Damon X Machina got a demo as well. Tetris 99 was available right away. And uh, Final Fantasy IX also dropped that same day. So, um, I'm a big fan of that. I love at, like, any of these kind of presentations where they're just, like, available now. Like, 
instant satisfaction is so yeah. good and like you were able to go like pre-download deltarune i was like yep subscribe i think it's fine <laughs> for you like cause you're in the states you know you, you're coming to the end of your work day you go home and you're like oh great there's all these demos to play and stuff or is this like yeah. i'm laid in bed going all oh, right uh sleep or try the game well sleep it was all right for someone led in bed me i was i was up writing articles until half past midnight but i'm, <laughs> I'm glad you were comfy and cozy <laughs> <laughs> Must be must be nice to be the boss man, Pixel, just sitting up on your ivory tower playing Tetris 99 while the rest of us dogs roll around in the mud. Hey, I was up at 6 a.m. to finish up, so I, I picked up the slack early. Uh, so then let's just get into the announcements. So obviously, like we said, we kicked off with the, the news of Super Mario Maker 2. I thought this looks great, and I was really glad that it was Super Mario Maker 2 and not uh, a deluxe port, you know? I feel like... Mario Maker was one of those Wii U games that did get a lot of attention, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it was trapped on the Wii U. It already came to 3DS. Like, I'm I'm glad that it's like, let's move forward and add new content and establish that this is like a franchise. Oh, they know their audience as well. The fact that they uh, sold the game on slopes. <laughs> and that was the one feature they decided to focus on straight away and it was like the first thing they showed yeah. and like twitter just blew up everyone's like oh my god they added slopes <laughs> oh i never played the original mario maker so in terms of new content that they showed besides slopes what else what else is coming in the second one uh they revolutionized the order like or not the order the um like the menu systems quite a bit like they they made a lot of like differences to the way that you like select things and place them on the board and then they added a bunch of content from uh super mario 3d world as well like the cat suit oh okay yeah there's underwater worlds sand worlds i believe and ice worlds which weren't in the original as far as i'm aware i want to say that water was in the first one but i don't I don't remember super well. But yeah, so Stealth, what did you think about this announcement? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty great. I mean, honestly, the, all the announcements that, that this director really got to me, but this one in particular was, um, you know, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Did you? Were you a big fan of the original Mario Maker? I, 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 I got hot and cold on it. Um, I, I wasn't too big on making levels, um, and it was hard for me to find really creative levels. Kind of what I'm hoping is... There'll be about a hundred like Nintendo kind of made levels, and I hope they bring the challenges back from 3DS. If, if there's a lot more to it than just the creation, then I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll really like it. Um, you know, but what they showed was pretty interesting. Um, you know, I like the fact that we have new themes. It, it does look like um, people have taken screenshots at the menu, and it does look like there's a co-op button. So I do think there, there will be co-op in the game between either... <laughs> I think you, you, you'll, you'll be able to do Mario and Luigi and then both Toads, um, or mix and match of whatever you want, but um, there, there, there will be co-op. Oh, I wonder if Peach and make an appearance. Maybe, but, you know. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do hope that there's like a campaign kind of thing. Yeah, I would love to see a system that has a little more curation, you know? So, like, there is a really, like, vibrant front page kind of thing where it's easy to see, like, what are the, like, top trending levels right now and stuff like that. So it's easy to keep getting served up good content rather than, like you said, maybe, like, you get a really good level and then you get one that's really, like, poorly thought out or, like, exists to troll you or something like that. I think there's something that's fun about the kind of, like, roulette style but i think it would be great to have here's like the top picks of the week as voted by the community or something like that to make sure you're getting you know like really quality levels so that can be your job pete you can make the best levels and then create all the others (laughs) 
That's your next article. Good That's luck. my new job at Lupaz. I'm I'm just the Mario Maker <laughs> curator. <laughs> In the original, could you redo someone else's levels? Could you download them and go, oh, this isn't quite right, or I want to tweak this? No, you couldn't do that. Is, no. is that a thing that they talked about for this? No. For the new one? No, they okay. haven't. They, they they didn't really talk about anything, and they just showed a trailer that um people broke down piece by piece as the internet War does. Wargroove lets you do that, right? Or something? I remember us talking about that as a feature in another game, I feel like. I know the game I know it from is Far Cry. Um so Far Cry's that was what level you editor. Up. Okay. Lets you lets you like um clone someone else's. It will credit the original person and then um you can make your changes and re-upload it or let your friends play it. Hmm. Something tells me that Which, we're not going to be able to do that in Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be great if they have, like, Nintendo levels to be able to go, oh, this is great, but I'd love to see what this would look like in, say, the 3D world style, or I'd love to put this bit of content in, or maybe modify it so there's more enemies and make it a little bit more difficult, that kind of thing. I think if Mario Maker 2 has got co-op in, I'll definitely pick it up, because then I can actually sit down and play it in an evening. I mean, with my Pretty guesses. much confirmed that the fact that all those characters are on the box art and... There's like a, it looks like a co-op button in the created screen where you can like create like specific co-op levels. Really what I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the, the art styles besides 3D World. I, I can't imagine that this is a, is a sequel and there'll only be one new art style. I have to imagine there'll be three or four new ones. I definitely think we'll see the Game Boy, um, like, uh, Mario Land 2. Oh my god. Um, so it's I like the monochromatic black and white. I think that'll be one. I think Mario 2 could be one. I think Yoshi's Island could be one. I, I definitely think Yoshi's Island is one. That'd be really good. I think we'll have Yoshi levels. Not huh. Yoshi levels, but Yoshi. Just that style. The art style, the art style yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm not I have sure to make a else, new Mario. I have to assume there's going to be more than one. I think the Mario Land one would be a really cool addition. That's a good guess. Yeah. I'd love that. They could do that thing with um, Nintendo Switch Online where you get like extra theme packs as a dlc download if you're a subscriber sure yeah that would be cool because most people that own the game are probably going to be subscribers anyway same with splatoon what i wouldn't like them to do is restrict all the online functionality like um sharing levels or online co-op or that kind of thing online co-op i can understand but sharing levels in particular i wouldn't like to see that behind a paywall which it is on War Groove, as far as I'm aware. It probably will be. I would imagine that's a thing you're going to just need to buy in for the... But, like, I don't know that it's fair to call that a paywall. It's, like, it's an online function that you need Nintendo Switch Online for. It's, like, that's kind of par for the course on consoles, you know? Unless you're talking about, like, Fortnite or Netflix, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, that's kind of how it goes. So do you think we'll just get local co-op with this, then? Or do you think we'll get online co-op? Do you think that's going to be a thing? Uh, I... I... I have a hard time thinking so. I feel like the logistics of that feel a little bit daunting because it's like you're it, – what, are you going to like be in a party with somebody? Like, First of all, Nintendo's not great at setting up lob- lobbies or parties on, on, on their face. But like – I don't know. I feel like trying to deliver these levels like to both of you at the same time with no latency like in a platformer. Mm-hmm. They they've managed it on the NES online though. That's true, but there's less variables there. Those games are a lot more simple, and they're like they change less mm-hmm. all the time. Whereas like if you were just trying to like do randoms on Mario Maker, you know, like there's a uh, thousands and thousands of levels that they have to like pick one, serve it up to both of you, and have there be no latency so that you can both play like in tandem. I don't know. That just seems a little complicated. I think there's ways they could they could do it. I mean, 
the latency thing they've solved with games like Splatoon. But I think you could even do something like just like a Ghost Runner. Like if it's a time trialed level, just show like you're playing against Pixel and he's, you know, this far ahead of front of you. Sort of like um, the Nabbit levels in New Super Mario Bros. U where he's like running and maybe you're catching your, your friend that set a record. And then if you catch them and beat them, it kind of puts you onto a leaderboard with your friends. Uh, so next up, we got Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, another look at that. Uh, Stealth, you know, it seemed like you were excited for this one, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan. I was a really big fan of X-Men Legends. Yes! Um, you know, I didn't I did, I didn't play the other Alliance games, actually. I literally just stuck to, to um, X-Men Legends. You made the right call. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it seems like it'll be a lot of fun. I especially like that the X-Men characters are included. Um, you know, I'm kind of hoping for Cyclops, but, uh, that's just me. Um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's really fun, and it's definitely a smart game for Nintendo to either fund or just publish. Yeah, it definitely seems like a good partnership for them, and, like, I think getting to see them getting in on the, like, Marvel-exclusive, uh, pie is, is definitely really cool. Yeah. You were hyped for this before as well, Pete, weren't you, when they first announced it? Uh, not really. No, I I like Marvel characters. <laughs> I I um I'm not a big fan of the Ultimate Alliance games. I uh, much like Stealth. I love X Men Legends, which was a precursor to them. The okay. Ultimate Alliance games are beloved by many people. I am not one of, but I I'm interested in this one because it's like it's a whole new development team and like it's uh, Ninja Theory, you know. So like. I feel like there's a real chance that they're going to get it right. I still feel like it, the visuals are a little off. It looks a little, like, mobile gamey to mm. me. But, you know, if I get the game in my hands and it feels well, um, or feels right, I guess I should say, that's really all that matters. I think uh, I was talking about it with a friend of mine who I played through Ultimate Alliance 2 with, and I feel like there's a real chance this is going to be, like, one of those buy, like, a six-pack of beer and play it over a, a, a Friday night with your friends and like, you know, just try to bang it out. And like, that's going to be what makes that experience fun more than the game itself. Yeah. I think this is one of those games that they're, for me, they're going to have to release a demo to entice me in. It's one of the games I wouldn't look at otherwise, if they yeah. can, you know, draw me in with a demo and provide a good game, then I'll pick it up. But otherwise it just seems to be kind of fodder for me. Yeah. And like I, they're, the path for them getting me is easier because I do have a, a love and an affinity for these characters. So like, I'm probably like, I'm willing to make some sacrifices in terms of like game feel, you know, just for like the, the, you know, fun of it. But I don't know. I, this one, I'm, I'm really, really hot and cold on, on whether or not it's going to be for me. You know, I have to see more of it, yeah. but I, I will say, I thought it looked a lot better in this presentation than in the initial reveal. So that's something. Just to clarify, it's um, Team Ninja, not Ninja Theory. That's uh, developed sorry, as well. thank you. Um, that's actually, actually, I'm, I think a little happier about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Ninja Theory. Obviously, I just said they were good, but I like Team Ninja. So next up, we got Box Boy and Box Girl, which is like the update to the 3DS Puzzler Box Boy Pixel. You actually mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago when that little box game that Steve was playing came Kibuchi, out. Kabuchi, it's awesome. Kabuchi, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I played like, Boxboy. Yeah, you were like, it kind of looks like Boxboy, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. Pixel, w- was, that a, was that a clue? Was that a leak? <laughs> Don't you stop, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, 
No, I enjoyed Boxbite in the 3DS. I, I never completed it. I only played probably a couple of hours into it. But it's one of those games that's a fun to just pick up, try out. And you kind of extend yourself into... I, I don't know what Box Girl is to start off with. I know what Box Boy is. But I'll probably pick this up just as, you know, sat on a train, 15-minute play, something easy. Yeah, it's cool that they added co-op and everything. And it seems mm-hmm. like there's like a lot of new content between the like two-player stuff. And they add, there's like that long <laughs> Box Boy... That they're yeah. like, you can play as the long one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought it looked cute. I, I, I really like the look of this. I'm just disappointed they didn't continue the Box Box Boy um, name. And we could have had Box 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 Boy. Really, <laughs> really cool. Just like keep it going forever. Uh, um, you know, it's not to be. I, I like that it's a co-op game now. And mm-hmm. I know we mentioned this on the, the stream last week that you are really big into co-op games. So you can play it with your partner. It reminds me a lot of Snipper Clips in that way now. Like puzzles to go through and do together and there. Some of them are specifically for multiplayer, so. It makes it more enjoyable for me, you know. It also adds to the challenge because you've got to try and coordinate with someone else to actually do yeah. stuff. Oh my god, it was like, it was like a brought back nightmares of trying to stuff a ikea sofa in the back of my car when i was playing this with my boyfriend it was like i was playing snipper clips with my boyfriend i was like cut there cut that no you've done it wrong again then you're like undo and then try again for like the third time you need to make it like a hook so we can jump up there and grab the thing it's not the it's ultimate be like test of a relationship isn't it mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah that's like i feel like playing a multiplayer game like that is the ultimate test on if you and your partner are gonna make it in the long term you know <laughs> uh Oh, my girlfriend's looking at me. <laughs> uh, that's why, like, I, I'm such a big fan of, like, co-op multiplayer games that, like, get competitive. You know, like, Overcooked is, like, one of my favorite co-op games for that reason. So, like, yeah, I love anything where you need to, like, work together and, like, it, it just, like, su- succeed in spite of the fact that you're, like, arguing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the Overcooked's the best example because the kitchen catches on fire, and then it's just like, no, it's game over. They're, they're not getting their they're not getting their burgers. They're gonna stand <laughs> up on the floor. I'm just putting this plate there. Putting the plate there. <laughs> I uh, I did a let's play with a friend of mine of, of of Overcooked, where like by the end of it, like or by the middle of it, there was this point where I literally just paused the game and just started like lecturing him. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, dude, you need to pay attention to the flow of the kitchen, all right? This is not amateur hour. This is dinner at the Apollo. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, so next up, we got the announcement of Dragon Quest Builders 2, which is the weirdest game. Just like Dragon Quest's like take on Minecraft, basically, which people really like the first one. So, yeah. Um, this is great, but I think the real high, uh, headline here was the Dragon Quest XI-S Definitive Edition uh, <laughs> port that we're getting here, which is um, adding a ton of, of cool content, bringing the, uh, the that special pixel version they did for 3DS over and everything, mm-hmm. fully orchestrated soundtrack. Like, Seems like a really, really nice um, update to the game. So, uh, Stealth, I know you were excited about this one. Are you a big Dragon Quest fan? I'm a really huge Dragon Quest fan. I've been playing them since the beginning. And um, we knew that this game was coming out in Japan this year, but we we weren't really sure if it would hit globally um, this year or maybe 2020. So it was really nice to get that confirmation that it's, it's indeed coming this year. And although uh, it came out for PS4 and PC last September, and so it'd be over a year 
the amount of content that they're adding to it makes it very, very compelling for me. Because, um, you know, not only are you getting the orchestrated music, the um, Japanese dual audio, um, you know, you're also getting the 2D sprite style of the game that was in the 3DS version, and then they're also adding on a ton of new story content as well. Yeah, I was really excited that they actually confirmed this for this year. That That's a big, that's a big game. And did you already, oh, go ahead. We're going to say the same thing, go for it. Had you already played Dragon Quest, Qu- you would have you nailed no, it. No, if you're asking me if I played it on the... <laughs> If you're asking me if I played it on the PS4, um, I held off. It was really hard. I bought the PS4 version <laughs> just, just to have it, but, you know, I had a feeling that they were going to add a lot of new content to it, so it wasn't worth it to play it and then play it again for just, like, a little bit of content. So I actually was able to wait. Seems like you made the right call. Yeah. Is Dragon Quest the ones with those little slime blue things? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I really loved the... Do you remember the special edition Vita they did with those? And it yes. stuck into the um, headphone jack and looked like it was tripping out. I loved that. I really wanted that Vita. It was like lime green. It's gorgeous. Uh, so then we got the announcement of a port of another uh, story JRPG franchise, Rune Factory 4, getting kind of another definitive Ultimate Edition. They added a bunch of like marriage content and all this stuff and then got the announcement of Rune Factory 5 which I think a lot of Rune Factory fans thought that the series was dead. So uh, I saw a lot of a lot of people get pretty excited about this one. Uh, Stealth, you saying that you're a JRPG, yeah, J- JRPG guy, excuse me. Um, are you familiar at all with Rune Factory? Um, I played the first three Rune Factory games. I didn't play the fourth one. But um, I, I think that the, the more exciting news other than Rune Factory 4 Special is that Rune Factory 5 is in development and ground up for, for Switch. Very curious to see what that game this is gonna look like i mean it stardew valley got more inspiration i feel from rune factory in a way than than harvest moon so you know i think that game will fight an audience on switch because all those games are very popular yeah i'm really excited about this one i had not heard of rune factory before but uh seeing the just the pitch of rune factory 4 I was like, this is like a perfect Venn diagram of things that I like in games of like, it's got the JRPG dungeon crawling. It's, you know, there's farming, there's romance, like sounds great to me, man. I I don't know if I'm going to end up picking up four. I think I might just hold off and see what five looks like, but definitely on my radar. Yeah, it'll be good. Five's five got a confirmed Japanese date of 2020, um, right? But they didn't confirm when it was coming to the West, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, I would assume it's 2020, because they're, 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 they normally do close to global releases for that series, so. That's cool. Great. That's awesome. Something to look forward to for next year. Yeah, it's our first, like, 2020 confirmation, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so then we got another game from the team behind, uh, I Am Setsuna, that, uh, that little, like, one of those mini pocket JRPG studios that Square has set up in the last couple years. Oni, Oninaki, I believe it is? Yeah. Yeah, from the Tokyo RPG Factory. Right. And uh, this one looks interesting. It's a little different than what we've seen them do in the past. It's an action RPG. It uh, has a premise about a world where people who die, like their souls cross over and they can like get lost and then become monsters. And your job is to make sure that they cross over you know, before they do that or to slay the monsters that, that are inhabiting the world. Uh, seems like a pretty interesting pitch. I'm not sure about this one, though. Like, something about it just didn't really strike a chord with me. And the main thing that kept me away from Ayan Setsuna is a lot of people throughout the feedback that, like, the gameplay was sharp and, like, it did feel like Chrono Trigger, which was kind of what they were emulating. But, like, it just didn't feel like it had a lot of heart. 
And I kind of got a similar impression from this. What did you guys think? Um, see, I'm very excited about this one, only okay, because um, we know that the, Chrono, the director of Chrono Trigger is directly involved in this. Mm. Um, he teased the project for Switch like a year. In 2017, he teased the project for Switch. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of stirred up a lot of buzz, but then it kind of like faded away because he didn't announce anything. Um, but yeah, it was announced. He's directly involved in 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 this game, um, and this is more of an action RPG. I actually really think this this could be cool. So, you definitely got me more interested with yeah. that news. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's one I have my eye on for sure. Like I, I just there's something about that first trailer that just didn't it, it didn't spark anything in me. Yeah, I was the same. I watched it and nothing really clicked with me. It was just like, oh, another JRPG game that looks similar to the others I've seen. But I don't know. It's, there's a lot of these games that are coming out that uh, I have to play demos of them for to understand how it really plays and if I'm going to enjoy it. And traders just don't do, don't do these games justice. I think seeing people stream them for a, a little while can give a good insight into how it plays as well. Might be worth checking out and see if there's some. If they don't do a demo, which I don't think they've done for I Am Setsuna or Lost Sphere, but they did for um, Octopath. Octopath. Yeah. Mm. But was, it's a different studio from, even though it's still Square Enix. Just have to wait and see, I guess. Do they ever do like third party games in Nintendo Treehouses? Because I've never really watched one. Yep, they did a um, whole Nintendo Treehouse on Diablo um, at E3. Okay, so maybe we'll get to see some of this footage you know, close to release. Yeah, or maybe at E3, something like that definitely possible uh so then we got the con- confirmation of uh, assassin's creed 3 remastered and liberation which <laughs> you know we talked about 2019's best kept secret yeah, yeah everybody right? saw it coming um yeah i mean they leaked it on their own website and they immediately took it down so that's <laughs> you know oops i mean i think ubisoft Excellent. is the only developer that you know they leak things themselves <laughs> they gotta get ahead of it man yeah they, got, they, they know pixels out there coming for them <laughs> so is anybody excited for this yes no. i am all right you go ahead then steve <laughs> i'm mainly because i'm playing assassin's creed odyssey at the moment and i'm absolutely loving it and i know that one's way more rpg than any other assassin's creed game what, what platform are you playing it on i'm playing on xbox 3 xbox one i was gonna so say you, xbox 360 so you're getting these games for free anyway only if i buy the season pass which i haven't bought at the moment oh uh, okay and you only get Assassin's Creed 3 remastered. They're not doing Liberation on other platforms. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. They, they, already came, they already came out. We had HD remasters of yeah. those on the platforms anyway. But you don't get those as part of the season pass. If you want those, you have to buy them. Huh. Um, but I had Liberation on the Vita. I thought it was all right. Um, it's very, very linear. And the walking through the crowds kind of got a bit tedious at times we'll see how assassin's creed 3 plays i've not i've not played that i don't know much about that uh, not that <laughs> I good saw, i saw i saw um tom from Eurogamer tweeting uh, who also is part of digital foundry was tweeting about the infamous uh, river boat picture and how they removed that scene from the original from the game when it was originally released but they're still using that on the page Oh, to advertise the remaster. <laughs> so, Killing it, Ubisoft. <laughs> so they're totally just rehashing the assets from many years ago. As if uh, Ubisoft would ever do that. <laughs> uh, so moving right along, we got the announcement of Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice coming to the Switch, which this was a cool announcement. Uh, this game was obviously really huge when it came out, won a ton of awards, 
Uh, it was one I kind of always intended to play and just uh, ended up on my list of shame, <laughs> which we're talking about a lot this episode. Uh, so this, you know, like many games on the Nintendo Switch, this presents a second chance for me uh, to get caught up in it and maybe maybe give it a shot. I think I'd like to. We'll see if I get around to it. I I was extremely surprised to see this. I I didn't think um, this would get ported to any other platforms. So this actually is by Ninja Theory, unlike um, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, who are now owned by Microsoft. Yes. I believe this was the last game they made before the purchase. Yes, it was. Yes. And the the port's not being handled by them. It's being handled by another another studio. So um, presumably that was the ball was already in motion um, to port this at that time. Yeah, I would I would think so. I don't know that even if it wasn't that Microsoft would necessarily stop it because it's not like it was an exclusive already. So it's like, why not put it on the Switch and get those software sales just like they do with mm-hmm. Minecraft? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we own it. But like, there's a lot more money to be made by letting everyone buy it on a platform where games sell better than any other platform. You know, yeah, I don't I don't think that's their strategy, though. Um, none of their other games like Halo or Gears of War or Forza that uh, you know um sea of thieves they're big franchises they keep sure. for pc and xbox mainly for game pass it that's their big driving force is that all of the xbox studio games are going on to game pass on day one like crackdown 3 just came out on friday went straight on to game pass on day one so if you're a game pass subscriber you don't need to buy the game um i think that's what they'll do with their new acquisitions they'll do it with uh, Ninja Theory and Obsidian, even though both of those games, like uh, Obsidian's new game, The Outer World, is coming to PS4 and other, presumably if it could come on the Switch, then they would bring it over here as well. Yeah, I think like Hellblade kind of exists in that interesting in-between space right now. Yeah. Before they sign on the dotted line with Microsoft. Yeah. So you might as well get those software sales. Interestingly, though, this is a game that they recommend playing with headphones. Yes. Um so I'm curious as to how, I mean, I, I use my PS4 headset with the Switch. You can plug it into the USB socket. It works perfectly. So I I, I mean, I think it'd probably be one that most people would play portably if they want to play with the headphones on, but I don't know how immersive that will be as compared to playing on your big TV. Yeah, I hope that they uh, at least get the frame rate and the resolution solid for portable mode if they're expecting people to play with headphones on or want them to. Because if it's yeah. if it really lacks in portable mode, doesn't there's no way I'm going to do that. Yeah, and I, it is a game that like you really need the headphones for, from what I understand, because like the audio design is like very close, and like you want to be able to hear the voices, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So we'll see how it turns out. You know, if there's a good port, maybe I'll pick it up and we can talk about it on the show. Uh, so moving right along, we got another fun little multiplayer port coming, Unravel Two, coming to Nintendo Switch. I'm excited for this one. I uh, I wanted to pick up Unravel 2 when it came out and play it with my girlfriend, and now that it's on Switch, that's a better platform for multiplayer experiences. So, yeah, this is one I almost certainly will check out. This this yeah. is the one that was the biggest surprise to me, not because it's like it was a Microsoft game engine that this runs on. It was the fact that they just completely missed out in the UK Nintendo Direct, so I didn't even know it was coming until I went back and watched the US one the next day. That's so weird. I know, right? But I, I'm really oh. hyped for this one. I kind of already I already own it, but I might double dip on Switch because it is good. <laughs> it's nice to see another game from EA that's not FIFA come to the Switch. Oh, FIFA, man! Every year, FIFA. <laughs> it's, it's in the. It's always in the charts. Always. So it's number it's, one. Yeah, it's crazy. It's mad. And have you played the original Unravel? I haven't. No. <laughs> yeah, I never got around to playing it. It was one that I 
was interested in, and then the reviews were kind of lukewarm. So I just never bothered. So the original one was really, really good. But Unravel 2, I'd say, is a, a bit harder. Um, just because of the fact that either if you're playing co-op, there's two people that you have to coordinate properly with to complete a lot of the puzzles. And the other thing is, if you're playing it on your own, you have to control both the characters at once. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> so, so it's not a case of like, oh, you're just one player or you're two players. You're always two players. There is an option to merge them together so you can kind of carry the other one through platforming sections. Um, so you don't have to do the platform a bit twice, essentially. But for most of the puzzles, you need both of them doing their thing. So the, the, it's a bit more complex than the first one. I love the visual style of the of it there and the and the two guys. They look like little Pikmin from a distance. Yeah, I know, right? Oh no wonder, no wonder you like it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're called Yarnies. Yeah, I, I find the uh, the art style to just be like super charming, and like yeah. the lighting is so good. I hope it maintains that visual fidelity on Switch. Interestingly enough, the footage they showed, I think, was a Switch footage because the lighting's a little bit slightly worse not it's not really noticeable but it's worse than the playstation 4 version i must have watched the uk stream because i didn't see this either yeah no it wasn't in the uk one as far as i'm aware either that or i fell asleep for five minutes briefly but i seriously wild so hopefully it's coming to the uk as well not just north america i mean even if it did the switch is region free so you could always just download it from the us eShop. like i have (laughs) to do with all of our codes that's tax evasion so you know i can't do that (laughs) Right, you can't do that at all. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> yeah, when you search for Unravel Two Switch on YouTube, the only video that comes up is the US Nintendo Direct. Yeah, so right. it's not in the it's not in the description for the UK one at all. Huh. Bizarre. That's interesting. We'll have to see on that one. Yeah, I wonder if there's a story there. Uh, so next up, I know Stealth. You said you were interested in this one. We got the look at uh, Platinum's new IP, new game, Astral Chain. What do you think about this? Pretty much for the first 75% of that trailer, I thought it was a monolith game. Uh, monolith soft. <laughs> uh, but the fact that they hadn't retweeted the direct, I, did, I didn't think they were going to announce anything. So I got very confused for a while. Um, Wasn't a... Isn't one of the people working on it from that team? No. No, 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 no one is. No. Okay. Um, but just because the art style looked the same, but, you know, having a second monolith, uh, having a second platinum exclusive on Switch wasn't surprising. The fact that they were able to keep it a surprise and then actually have a solid release date for it, that was what was surprising, which leads me to believe that, um, yeah, they were definitely working on this before Bayonetta 3, and, um, that's why that, that's nowhere near close to being shown off. So, in terms of, um, like, what's your relationship to Platinum? Like, are are you a fan of their games? Like, wh- or did this just speak to you specifically? I, I like Bayonetta 1 and 2, but this spoke to me. I really like the art style. I really like the setting. The gameplay looks fluid. Um, you know, I kind of like the idea of, like, you know, space police fighting demon monsters kind of thing. Um, sure. It actually seems like a, a, a kind of an original concept. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. What about you two? Did you guys have any reactions to this one? Yeah, I mean, to me, um, it looks like Bayonetta, but with a different skin, um, which I guess is pretty much what it is. But I never really got into Bayonetta. I tried number one. I found it um, a little bit too, I don't know, just I couldn't get into it. I don't think like my kind of games. But I, I like the look of the concept. It's a bit um kind of cyberpunky, futuristic with the cool police uniforms. 
Um, it kind of reminded me, maybe it was because I'm playing the game at the moment, of like the original Resident Evil police uniforms. Um, yeah, I can that, see that. Like, that like Leon wore in the original Resident Evil 2 with the big kind of shoulder pads and emphasis on like a kind of, I guess, a Japanese take on an American police uniform. What about you, Pixel? Any any thoughts on this one? It looks good. Um, I don't know if it's really my type of game. Uh, I love the art style, though. The art style is really cool, but I don't know if I'll pick it up. I might pick it up depending on how the reviews go, but we'll see. I liked Bayonetta, but I did get bored of Bayonetta after a while, so I'm not sure if this will really appeal to me that much. But then again, I played Near Automata, and I really enjoyed that. So Kind of could go either way. It could go either way, yeah. Yeah, this one did not do it for me. And I was really surprised because, like, I think most people were more um, in line with Stealth's opinion, where I saw a lot of excitement around this game. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm traditionally not a fan of Platinum, and I've been pretty critical of some of their, like, business practices and in the past. Um, so, like, I, I know that anything I say negatively about them, like, comes off a certain way. So, like, take my opinion <laughs> with a grain of salt. But they didn't put their their logo out until the very end of the trailer and even like totally removed from my feelings about platinum i did not understand the hype around this like i thought it it looked pretty generic like uh i definitely what self saying about the premise seems pretty unique but the way that it was being executed and told felt very familiar to me you know like it felt like a kind of familiar setting of like the like, near-future Japan, you know, like, there are dozens of animes and games that have that kind of look to it. Kind of reminded me of something like Dot .hack or something like that, you know, where it's just, like, it, it just felt kind of, I don't know, like, it didn't have a, a clear identity that really stuck out to me. And that's, like, a big thing for me when I'm getting my first impression of a game is, like, what's what's the personality here? And it just feels like stuff I've seen before with a different coat of paint. Yeah, I think the problem with a lot of these games, especially when they're in directs, the reels tend to focus on visuals and, you know, some snippets of gameplay, and they never really... You kind of need someone to go, this is how the game actually plays. This is what makes it fun to play. Whereas a lot of, you know, with this the trailer for this one, it, I didn't really see why I should invest my time in it. Would it be fun? Or is it just a game that I'm not going to enjoy, you know? There's, it felt kind of like a movie trailer, you know? Like, there was a lot right. of just, like, here's, like, stuff from the story out of context. And it's like, this doesn't really mean anything to me. Like, I'd rather see moment-to-moment gameplay. I mean, I think you get that um, more from first-party titles. And we'll talk about Fire Emblem in just a second. But it's when they dig deep into those games and they dedicate a good amount of time. And you can really see. Yeah, and, and, and we also have to remember, like, this wasn't, like, a full revealed trailer. This was kind of like a shock announcement kind of trailer. Where they they were gonna kind of like tease things, um, but I think in the next trailer we'll we'll, we'll get to see a lot more of the different environments and the gameplay and all that. The, the, this was more of a you know Platinum has a new game. That, that's kind of what this trailer was. Oh, yeah, I think that's great for people that love Platinum games already. But you know, people like me and Steve and Pete, I think we're yeah. just gonna have to wait until they do you know a full on trailer for it. You know, a bit more in depth for well for me personally anyway before I can decide whether it's something I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, I agreed on that one. Yeah, and and I, I definitely think the the marketing uh, cycle for that game pretty much started the second that trailer dropped, and because we have a solid release date, um, we'll probably be getting a lot more. 
especially at E3. Um, I, I certainly think that it, it's going to get a a decent amount of um sessions in the Treehouse Live at E3 this year. It'll probably get at least two um of different areas because you know it doesn't come out until after E3. So yeah, I, I think people will have a lot more time to see that game. Yeah, I think this is a game that would definitely benefit from one of those like here's like we're going to do a 30 minute deep dive at the the Treehouse and like really get into it, you know. Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad we had you on this episode, Stealth. You're excited about it. Otherwise, we'll all be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got two more games to get into here. Two of the biggest, you know, things that we're focused on: uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. We got like a real, like, good definitive look at it, uh, which was cool because I I feel like it's kind of a little overdue. You know, like, the game was supposed to be out very soon. They delayed it again to July, which is fine. You know, like, I'd rather get a, a delayed version that's right. So that's no problem. But uh, it was nice to, like, really get a conversation about what the game's about and, like, what you're going to be doing. Because I had a much different impression of it than what we ended up seeing. You know, like, it. Uh, a friend of mine made a joke where it, it very much feels like it's, like, uh, Hogwarts Emblem. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, literally the only thing I thought when I was watching this was, wow, I really want that Hog leaked Hogwarts RPG game now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just, I really want that. It's going to be so amazing. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't really know much about Fire Emblem. Pass it over to Stealth because he's the expert. Um, Yeah, this looks like a very, very different kind of Fire Emblem game in, in the sense that like your primary base is a school and you can train students and you can kind of customize your party. It showed more of like the school sim kind of aspects to it, but it definitely looks like there's a big story. And the fact that it's also being co-developed by Koei Tecmo Games, um, I'm pretty sure that they contributed the engine to it, the, the know-how to make HD games because the Fire Emblem team hadn't made one before. So it was always curious to me. Okay, if you hadn't made a Fire Emblem, if you haven't made an HD game before, how does this game look so good? Um, and it makes sense that they're they're partnering with the studio on that. I, I really like the character designs. The gameplay is Fire Emblem. I mean, it's a strategy RPG. Um, it's not going to change, and people don't want it to change. Um, but yeah, it definitely looks like a very interesting premise where you have like the three nations that are seemingly all friends in this one. Um, you know, they all get along, so I'm wondering where that conflict is, is going to come from. The, the, the fact that the game got delayed to July is a little bit of a bummer, I'll be honest. I, I was really hoping that would be, like, April or May. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that, that would be a good place for it, because it is kind of a meteor experience, and you have it out during that kind of, like, summertime lull. April's the only month they haven't really got anything announced for, isn't it? Yep. Animal Crossing, let's go. <laughs> Animal Crossing Direct in two weeks. Let's go. I'm just most excited that there's a place in it called Leicester, <laughs> which is where I live. <laughs> well, you know what? If in JRPGs, if you make up enough places, one of these, you know, they'll they'll come up with a real place. <laughs> one of the, you know, yeah, my tiny little city. So, uh, Pixel, what do you think about this? Are you at all excited for Fire Emblem? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm really not. <laughs> I, uh... That's okay. I'll be I'm the sure, one on the sure show to talk about it. I'm sure lots of people are very happy with it, but, um, you know, I'll be playing other things, I think. I'm definitely going to give this one a shot. I want to see if this is going to be, this is my chance to get into Fire Emblem, you know? If you like it, then I might pick it up. Or, you know, I'll watch you play it. All right, cool. All right. So now we get to the big guns. The best, the best what? announcement. Best announcement of the show. Biggest surprise of the show. 
best reveal of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Nintendo hits us with the one more thing, which you always got to get excited for. And we get the announcement of Zelda Link's Awakening getting a, a proper 3D remaster. Something I have wanted for years and I didn't really know if we would ever get it. Because this is one of those games that, like, I know I have so much love and affinity for. But, like, I feel like it's, it, as far as Zelda games go, it feels like more on the cult classic side of things than on the, this is one of the best Zeldas of all time, you know? So I, I was over the moon with this announcement. I've worked out how Nintendo selects all the games to remaster, and it's the ones that I haven't played. So I hadn't played Wind Waker, they remastered it, and I haven't played Link's Awakening, so they remastered it. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to actually give this one a go for once. This is uh, this is like a top three Zelda for me. Oh, uh, wow. I, I, I love this game. And like that is totally... Like, nostalgia is a big part of it. This was my first Zelda. It's the first, like, real tough video game I ever beat. And I just have so much love for this game. Have they confirmed who's developing it yet? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, honestly, I, I don't think it's actually being developed in-house. I just have a feeling they're they're partnering with another, with another studio on it. Um, we just don't know it mm-hmm. yet. I, I I can't imagine that they're doing this one in house. I'm like ninety percent sure this is the Grezzo game that they were working on last year. Yeah. Um, you think but, so? Yeah, but because I heard about, I sort of heard about this game in some capacity a while ago. Um, but what I was told at the time was it was a 3DS game, not a Switch game. So it's interesting. If it is the same game, then I think we might see multiplayer. Also, um. Stealth, you might know this, or I don't know if any of you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this is the last Zelda game that Miyamoto acted as a producer on. It's possible. He hasn't been really involved in it in a very long time. And this is like 93, so it's like, this, yeah. 93, this game's yeah. Old. Um, but yeah, I I could not be more excited for this announcement. I like I like screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> how cute! How cute is the art style, man? Did I you know what it was before the um. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, as soon after the anime, literally, anime, literally as soon as they cut, they're like one more thing, and they yeah. cut to the wave. I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "No, no, no!" <laughs> you, you could obviously tell it was Zelda, but I had no idea as soon as that ended what it was going to look like. The visual style was just so shocking to me. Yeah, um, it looks incredible. I, I love the look of it. But yeah, I mean that opening cinematic—it's the same one from the Game Boy, just redone. You know, in the in this this beautiful hand drawn style, and it's like so. Uh, to me, the the mark of a good remake is if it makes you feel about a game the way you remember feeling about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was such a good example because, like, I remember what that cutscene really looks like, but watching it, it gave me the feeling of watching it the first time when I was like a kid and being like, <gasps> like so captivated by it, you know, and like just so excited to embark on the adventure. This is going to be a real walk down memory lane for me. Uh, I, I'm the same as Pixar. I've never played it. I just can't wait to run around in a Zelda world with chain trumps and Goombas. <laughs> oh my god, the cha- like, can do, do you guys mind if I like low key spoil something gameplay wise for you? A, a little bit, but go on. Okay, all right. I hope it's not too <laughs> upsetting for you. Uh, at one point, you can like get the chain chump and take him out with you. And he'll attack other monsters when they're around you and stuff, and it's fantastic. That's amazing. 
I'm excited that you guys haven't played it because it's as much fun as I'm going to have for it, like revisiting it. Like, I think you guys will have a really great experience with it as first timers because I think it's a, I think it's like my personal bias removed from it. I think it's probably the second best top down Zelda that isn't um, uh, Link to the Past. What's the other one that you think is? I'm saying like Link to the Past, and I think this it's is like number, number one, two. and then this is number two. Okay, yeah. that, that's good to know. I th- I think so anyway. Yeah, I really like Link's Awakening. Um, it, it's a different Zelda, but it's also the same in that you know you have a bunch of dungeons. Um, it's just the setting and kind of the environment is very different. But yeah, I mean, other than Link to the Past, A Link Between Worlds, I, I would put this right up there with the other games. Uh, and you know, even the 3D ones, it's just it's just as good. It's just different. Yeah. It's very very weird. A lot of a lot of Mario cameos, you know, the Chain Chomps and the Goombas are just one of them, or just a few of them. <laughs> a lot, yeah, a lot of Mario cameos, and yeah, I wouldn't spoil any more than that. I, was, I also, as soon as I saw Link, was just like, I really want him as an amiibo. I know this is my favorite Link design, actually. Like him <laughs> he with looks the amazing, the proper man skirt, and then he's got like the brown like under <laughs> armor, like or whatever. Like I love it. Yeah, I mean, they literally took like the Game Boy model and turned it, and you know, it's the same model. But they just made it, you know, the way it would look if if they made that game now. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like a link to the past where they they, they they kind of modernized that Zelda look. Like this looks like exactly as it would be with like the, the weird eyes and, and everything yeah. like that. So I, re- I really like the model. It's like a very like toy kind of look. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything looks like it's been placed in the world as like a, a kid that's playing with their toys and they've put everything out and there's like, oh, the chain trump's going to be over here and then he's going to come in. It remind, it just reminds me of that so much. I I really love the look of it. Everything's really shiny as well, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. Super like, shiny. It was like plastic. Yeah, yeah. But I think Stealth raised a really good point that I think one of the things that makes this game stand out among other Zeldas is one of the few games that takes place in a realm like other than Hyrule. It still feels like Zelda, but it feels so distinct from every other Zelda. And that's one of the things that I think, aside from just gameplay and like, you know, there's also a lot of unique items and stuff that aren't in other games. Like there's a feather that you like can jump with that just really make it have kind of a different vibe. Is this the I'll... only Zelda without Zelda as well? Not the only one. Yeah. When it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not the only one, but there's really, like, well, in, in Majora's Mask, she kind of had a cameo. Right. Um, You know, in a little cutscene. In this one, Zelda's not in the game at all, whatsoever. I think she's, like, mentioned. Like, he, like, says her name, but, like, she doesn't have any appearances in it. And, like, none of the other, like, familiar trappings of Zelda are, are not none, but many are not present. When when do you all think this is coming out? It's so 2019, so... I think this could be even as soon as September. Wow. I think when it comes out, to, re- to me, really depends on when Pokemon is coming out. Well, well, we know Pokemon... I, I know Pokemon's coming out in November. That's just what it's going to be. It, but then it's like, there's so many games, it's like, where do you slot them all? <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you, do you, it's like do, you, do you put Animal Crossing in October or December? Where do you put Luigi's Mansion 3? And then where do you put Zelda? I feel like Luigi's got to be in October. Like, that's such a, yeah. you know, good timing. Yeah, so if that's in October, do you really put Animal Crossing in December? Or is, mm. you know, or, or is Animal Crossing in September and then Zelda's going to be in December? What about town? Where's town going? Uh, I, 2020. <laughs> They've already said 2019, though. So town's coming this year sometime. Things yeah, get and then delayed. town somewhere, yeah. Fire Emblem was supposed to be out last year. I was talking about it, and it's like, if they, you basically, if Nintendo goes through E3 without announcing a single new game for this year, 
I would believe it because, you know, they already have every month basically slotted in with the game. So it's like, I, I don't know, because at this point, if they announce anything more for 2019, we're going to get, like, double game in a month. And so it's going to start to get really, really crazy. Oh, I won't be complaining. I mean, honestly, now that we're talking about it, I think Animal Crossing will be in September. Um, and I think Zelda will probably be December. Animal Crossing, uh, I think it was Base.com, they listed that as a September release as well, so maybe. Yeah. Damon X Machina is listed as summer, so that's yeah, that's also summer, and we know that um, and we know that Astral Chain is August, so maybe that's July. Okay. Yeah, and then you have Mario Maker in June, so 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 they're all set up. But isn't Fire Emblem July? Oh yeah. So again, so we're gonna have a month where something and Marvel Ultimate Alliance is also summer. <laughs> so towards the back end of the year, we're gonna have like double Nintendo published games, basically. Some summer's a busy one. No one's going on yeah. holiday. We're just staying home <laughs> and playing Nintendo games. that's why it's like games. if Nintendo announces like even two more 2019 games, that's crazy at E3. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's the other thing. Do you think we're going to get another Direct before E3? I do. I, I, it's going to be Pokemon Direct. Where it's basically just the Pokemon company, and they'll give like a five-minute video on the history of Pokemon, and then you'll see like 10 seconds of Gen 8. It'll be like, see at E3. But <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably... It's... Because that's they 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 never announced Pokemon games at E3. Um, they showed them off at E3, but they announced them beforehand. So, yeah, I uh, I'm not sure. Like, I I think I think that you're definitely right. There's a there's a real chance we get the reveal event for a Pokemon Direct, and I'm I'm still holding out hope for an Animal Crossing Direct as well. I don't know if that would come yeah. before E3. It really depends on when Animal Crossing is. Like, yeah, it's just crazy because we pretty much have the whole lineup of games set. And we're going to have E3, and then we're going to have a September-slash-holiday kind of direct. Um, so it'll, it's just kind of crazy because their, their lineup is already basically set, assuming nothing gets delayed. Which, I mean, I'm sure something will. I, I still wonder, man, like, if we don't see a Pokemon Direct in the next couple weeks, like, if it's not – if we don't get a Pokemon Direct before, like, mid-March, I have a real feeling that that, 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 that game is going to get delayed. I don't think that game can get delayed. I think they'll throw as many people as they need to to finish it. They have to hit November for that. It can't be like it can't get delayed to like they won't release it in January. They'll it just it was one of those games where they have to hit the holiday. I think I think if they I think there there's a precedent for them releasing a Pokemon game in like March or April though. Like that's happened yeah, two they, or three times. Yeah, they just don't want to. I I, I, sure. I agree that they yeah. don't want to, but I mean yeah, it just could happen. Yeah, but we'll see. I think I think if this is such a big moment yeah. for Pokemon, you know, like that it's making the crossover to a console and like they said that they wanted that to change development and you know, we know they've been working on it for a while, yeah. but I I I think that if they if they come to Nintendo and they're like, Look, we need more time, they're gonna give it to them. You know, if they can and Nintendo is definitely backloading the year. Um, you know, everything is coming out everything is coming out jan- I, I think that it's funny because I, th- I think that they'll give like the 20 million guidance again this year. And and this year with what they have, they have a chance to hit it if everything comes out. Yeah, I uh, I, I think I think you're definitely on to something there. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think overall, great direct. I think there's a lot to look forward to from Nintendo in 2019. And more than anything, I think it has me excited for the next direct to know some more of these gaps or get some more confirmation on some of the games that we know are coming, but we don't know when they're coming. 
So, uh, yeah, again, Stell, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode. You were a great guest. Uh, let the potheads at home know where they can find you. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And you can find me at Stealth twenty at Stealth40K on Twitter. Awesome. And, yeah, we'd love to have you back on again, man. So, you know, um, you're, you got an open chair here. So uh, if you want to, um, you know, connect with us or support the show, talk about what you thought about the direct or any of the other announcements we talked about this week, remember you can hit us up at potscast at looppots.com. That's P-O-T-S-C-A-S-T at looppots.com. Follow at looppots on Twitter. Visit us at twitch.tv slash looppots. We're going to be streaming some games this week. We'll let you know if you go to our Twitter. You can see when we're going to be going live. Or you can visit us over at looppots.com. So that's going to wrap it up for episode 18. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.